Welcome to the Cinderella Podcast, where we watch and review every Cinderella adaptation we can get our hands on, discussing the same story over and over, until we slowly go insane. I'm Liv. And I'm Talon, and today we watched Cinderella Kulkadesi. This is a Turkish film from 1971, but we can't call it the 1971 Turkish Cinderella because there's actually a second Turkish Cinderella film that came out in 1971, which we have not been able to locate in English dub or sub of yet. <laughs> so that one might be like a very mysterious production, but that's okay. So this one, we're going to call it the Smash Cut Cinderella because the editing choices were... Uh, dynamic. That is certainly a word that means smashy. Yes. Like any any moment that should have had any kind of transition didn't. No. And we were just in another scene immediately. There were a couple of transitions into dream sequences that would do like fade in, fade out transitions. But other than that, every single thing was like, we're at a ball. Add a ball, carriage in the woods, add a ball, add a ball, feet, carriage. And dramatic music changes at the same time, not like a single overlying music track. Sometimes the music would have a smash cut in the same scene. Yeah. But the scene was continued, but the music had a smash cut. So like, this was extremely jarring to watch. And the only way that we could find it with English subtitles was in nine disparate parts on YouTube, which you would think might have made the viewing even more... Mm, jumpy even more what's the word for when things are uh, staccato discontinuity like dissonant future live figure out what word we're thinking of um that future live here the word was disruptive Oh, thank you, Future Love. I agree. That is exactly the word we were looking for, (laughs) I assume. I assume. Um, But no, it actually didn't. It gave us a nice little resting spot every nine minutes-ish so that we could just breathe and experience true silence and just catch our breaths and like take another deep, deep breath to go back into the next insane nine minutes that was always coming. I called those breaks in my notes sanity break in parentheses. At one point, we even watched like an aerial performance, you guys. Yeah. Everything in this movie happened so much and so fast that originally Liv thought that it was on like 0.9 speed. Just like a, just a hair faster than it should be. But everything lists it as 82 minutes and that's the amount that we watched. So I think that's just how fast it is. You know how if you put something into fast motion and then you take a separate recording of that fast motion thing in real time and then slow it down to normal speed, what you get is just like a hellscape? I think that's what happened. That's probably not what happened, but I could see how one might think that's what happened. It feels like that's what happened. So I guess we should talk about this. Mm, You know, we've put off talking about this for a while. I feel like... We have very successfully procrastinated talking about this for, like, a full hour by just, like, delving into our deepest, most painful, current emotional 
traumas yeah. and just really processing some heavy feelings. Yeah. The stuff that we decline to do with therapists because it's, it's hard. You're like, I don't, I don't really want to do that, but you know what I really don't want to do? I do not want to talk about this insane out of tune smash cut Cinderella. Okay. But also at the same time, we kept finding things that we kind of liked or felt like we might've liked in a different context. So for the majority of this movie, I kept being like, I can't tell if I really like this or if I really hate it. And then by the time we kept having to take breaks between each part and I kept being like, wait, don't hit play yet. I just need a minute. Um, I realized that, no, I did not, in fact, like it, it seems. But I'm not completely sure why, because it has a lot of elements that I actually usually enjoy in a Cinderella. Again, it, I had the exact same experience. I think it was about the three quarters mark where I was like, oh, I hate this. I'm, I'm having a bad time. And it's, it's the same reason that you shouldn't put everything onto a pizza. Uh, People are like, no, I love everything pizzas. No, you like pizzas with peppers and onions and sausage and pepperoni. And so you don't also like it with shrimp and pineapple and Alfredo sauce and buffalo chicken and chocolate syrup. Like you don't put everything on the pizza. You put some things on the pizza and you put some things on the ice cream that you have after the pizza and you put some things on a pizza and then throw it in the trash because you're not supposed to put those things on pizza. It was like that. The trash pizza Cinderella. <laughs> the trash pizza Cinderella. <laughs> All right, let's start. I Okay, so <laughs> the other thing I do want to say is like, neither of us is Turkish. Neither of us has ever seen this movie before. And I have the uncomfortable suspicion that if I had grown up with this as a kid, it would probably be a childhood favorite that I would have like a lot of nostalgia for as an adult. So if you are someone who has a lot of fond feelings about Cinderella Cool Cadessi, I just want to say like... We're sorry? I kind of get it. And we get it, yeah. I Like, I kind of get it, but I don't feel that encountering it for the first time, but I do feel like I would have really liked it if I'd grown up with it. I had the exact same experience. So you hit play on YouTube and uh, instantly you are experiencing the dissonant sounds of some sort of out of tune twangy instrument that is also being tuned like an old radio. So it's going in and out of its own key. So the sound mixing was a little bit questionable on YouTube, but I didn't find the music that dissonant. Like I actually really enjoyed this opening song once I got used to it it got better after the first 30 seconds when whoever was dialing the radio knob like figured out whatever setting they wanted and left it alone but the first 30 seconds were genuinely painful but then we get one of the weirdest juxtapositions yeah because we see our Cinderella and she is skipping prancily merrily through just like farm country and, and she is literally skipping, like yeah. she's holding her dress in her hands and like waving her skirt back and yeah. forth as she skips. She's wearing like a three-quarter sleeve bright red short dress. So the skirt goes to just like the knees. Yeah. It's very short. It's also torn in a way that's very silly, like Flintstones looking, mm -hmm. even though it's a physical item that they could have easily distressed in a way that made it look naturally dirty or old or torn. They just took a pair of scissors to the bottom strategically. Yeah, it's not wrinkled or smudgy. She will occasionally have like one or two smudges, 
But her dress is always pristine. She's always wearing a sheer little kerchief on her head and like matching red kitten heel pumps, which I was just delighted by. Her hair and makeup is also like, so this film came out in 1971, but like as somebody that grew up in Russia and consumed a lot of media from the 70s, the Soviet Union was usually like a good 10 years behind like American culture. So whatever trends you would be expecting to see in that time period, rewind back 10 years from that date. And that's what you'll actually be seeing usually. And like, obviously, Turkey was not part of the Soviet Union, or like in the same area as where I grew up. But I'm seeing like a lot of similarities in the aesthetic choices. Mm -hmm. So basically, Cinderella's styling in this movie is incredibly 60s. She's got almost like a beehive hairdo, despite the fact that her hair is down. Like if you were around for the bump bits, bigger than that. So much bigger than that. Like full Austin Powers, like the robot Her hair is ratted and teased so that it's in this giant poof, like Talon said. She has this really silly, like, little purple eyeshadow going on all the it's time. It's very, very pale, shimmery, blue or purple, like, pastel eyeshadow mm-hmm. with, like, very thin arched eyebrows. She would fit in really well on, like, the Grease movies. She reminded me of the hot teacher in, I don't know if it's Grease 1 or Grease 2, but who always has, like, mountains and mountains of hair and hairspray. I don't know about, who's that 60s lady? Bridget Bardot? Bridget Bardot is a name that I remember. Yeah, she looks like Bridget Bardot, like in her styling. Blonde, very tall hair, big eyes, kind of slightly open mouth. Like, what? I'm just a baby who's an adult lady. And I'm so surprised at everything that's happening. I regret not screenshotting that. God. (laughs) I did a lot of big eyes. did a lot of big eyes. Talon does not do a lot of big eyes, guys. Big eyes is sort of my thing. I do big eyes and then Talon says, Liv, stop lying. Yeah. So. So, so that's her vibe. And the Cinderella is like the butter wouldn't melt in my mouth Cinderella archetype where she is so good and so nice and she doesn't feel negatively about anything or anyone ever. Yep. And nothing can really face her. And. When she's sad, it's like a very beautiful kind of sad where like a tear goes down her cheeks as she dramatically like throws her hands up and like leans against the door, but also like her shoulders in the frame and like the sleeve is slipping off of it a little bit, but she's sad. This movie uh, was described as a tearjerker, which I thought was pretty funny. Cause That's interesting. Yeah, it's not. It was described as like, ah, the tearjerker style. And I was like, I don't think that you know what a tearjerker is. So we're not, we're not past the opening song number. So this song is amazing. This song is a super sad, darkness, always dark, no light, no light, darkness only, forever darkness, sad song. But she skips through the background the entire time with this very cute little black dog following her. So the lyrics are, there was a girl named Cinderella, and she never smiled. She always cried. Oh, my life is always in darkness. But, like, the music is, like, pretty upbeat. The music is in a minor key. It is not pretty upbeat. It's moving at a pace. But it's, like, fast-paced. Okay, it's fast-paced. It's, like, 
jauntier than you would expect for the lyrics. Like, it's not like, hello, darkness, my old friend. It's more like an Ebo pop kind of song in which, like, you know they're sad, but they're also kind of having a good time. It has kind of a klezmer feel to it. I don't know what that is. Uh, Klezmer music is sort of traditional Jewish music. And it's usually pretty upbeat, but also has a lot of minor chords and, like, sevenths and transitions that are not major transitions they're in a sad key but they are usually quite peppy they are the i have a whole playlist of i'm very sad right now but i have a lot to get done and it's just yiddish music (laughs) you know that kind of makes sense Mm -hmm. but then the song goes on to say like oh but days of sorrow will end and fate will smile upon me I have this feeling inside that my wishes will come true. And during this whole song, it it repeats a whole bunch of times. Mm -hmm. And Cinderella's just like running, skipping through farmland and like a very big old forest. And Mm -hmm. as Liv mentioned, she is wearing like very dainty little shoes during this. Mm -hmm. And then she's gathering firewood, but like in a dancey way. Yeah. There's a boy watching who we find out later is a shepherd. He seems like he's younger than Cinderella, but like he doesn't look that much younger. Yeah. His name is Sarp. Yes. Sarp the shepherd. Sarp the shepherd. And he has, he's on crutches, but he appears to move around just fine without them. So I don't know why he has crutches. Um, he has like one crutch. We always see him with one crutch. I think the crutch is there to explain to us as the viewers why he's not a viable romantic option for Cinderella in like an upsetting ableist kind of way. Because he's, also... he's a very cute boy. Yeah. And he seems about her age and nobody calls him a boy. Everyone calls him the shepherd. He is He's super in love with her. He is super in love with her to like a creepy extent. It doesn't ever become creepy, but in the beginning I was like, I don't like that vibe. This is I thought he was the prince. I thought that this story wasn't gonna go like in a typical Cinderella fashion. Because like all of the signals to me as a viewer is that this boy is important and we're supposed to pay attention to him because they zoom in on his face a lot. He's like youthful, handsome, Mm -hmm. and having like strong emotions watching cinderella dance around as she gathers firewood but no it's just sarp it's just sarp it's just sarp good old sarp he helps her gather firewood and he cinderella points out a beautiful flower and he's like oh it is beautiful but you're more beautiful and he like takes it and pins it in her hair which was creepy and she's like oh well thank you like but it's it's better being beautiful is good but it's better to have a kind heart and a good fate and then we get uh, a voiceover from what I assume is the fairy godmother, although it's never could just be a narrator. We get a woman's voice that sounded a lot like Cinderella's voice to me, so I can quite tell what was happening. I thought she was still talking, but we were just looking at the sky for some reason. But the voice is referring to Cinderella in the third person and is saying, like, yeah, Cinderella's right, actually. You should have a good heart. And a good fate that's really important and bt dubs this girl's fate is not a match to her beauty even though she's lovely her mother passed away when she was a baby and her father mourned for a long time but he was after all a man and so he married a woman 
with two daughters of her own. And unlike animals, people can keep their intentions hidden. And only after they got married did he find out that the stepmother was grumpy and harsh and mean. And not only that, but her daughters were even worse. And then they show us the daughters, whose names translate to Sweet Fountain and Moonlight Mm -hmm. in the subtitles. Yeah. But they don't really exhibit, like, different behaviors from each other. So So they're just a unit. Yeah. They're just the stepsisters. Don't worry about it. They look very similar to each other. So we see the stepmother for the first time, and she has her hair in curlers, and she's sitting up out of bed, and she looks very stocky and grumpy and she has big eyebrows drawn on and i and they show us the stepsisters who are sprawled asleep in beds but in like an unladylike way where they're like limbs akimbo to demonstrate their badness question mark question mark sure and here's the thing they were like this is sweet fountain and this is moonlight and for some reason i saw the like yellow ribbon on sweet fountain's hair and i was like oh She's blonde, and this one's dark. Fantastic. I know which ones they are. So I have, like, moonlight, dark-haired one. And then later in my notes, I go, oh, no. They both have dark hair. Oh, no. Oh, no. They're identical. Crap. So the stepsisters are very cute young women around Cinderella's age. They have dark hair. They're both slim, tall. I think one's a little taller than the other, but they're physically very similar to each other. Mm -hmm. But what this film has done is to give them, like, very exaggerated eyebrows and makeup and so they look kind of ridiculous and they move their faces so much more than Cinderella does when she talks and has feelings Mm -hmm. that they look clownish despite actually being like very beautiful when they're not in movement. They also pretty much only communicate through shrieks. There was a lot of shrieking in this Cinderella just yeah. Happy or sad, laughing or crying or yelling. Just there's a lot of very high pitched noises coming out of people's face holes. And it was unpleasant to hear. Cacophonous. It was cacophonous, cacophonous it was. often. The narration describes the stepsisters as worse than the mother, always gossiping and plotting. And then my favorite line in the film it was not the angel of death that killed the father, it was misery. It was amazing. That was a phenomenal line. At this point, my notes point out that there is a tent in the backyard because Cinderella's walking around the back of this farm. There's chickens, there's little outbuildings, there's stuff. She's working with the chickens. But there's a little tiny tent, the tiniest little lean-to tent. And I'm like, please let that be her tent. Please let the tent be her tent. Then we'll have the three times living in a shed in the back. Please let there be a tent. Nope, it's not her tent. It's a chicken tent. I don't know why the chickens have a tent and not a hen house. I think they also had a hen house. I don't know why there was a chicken tent then. Like That was so weird. I don't know. So apparently when the father died, the stepmother and the stepsisters got the farm and everything else. And they immediately started treating Cinderella like a slave. Uh, she wakes at dawn and works till midnight and they still disregard her and treat her harshly. Mm-hmm. And as they're saying that, we just see Cinderella like smiling as she's feeding the chickens in her bright red dress and her perfectly made up face and her little kerchief. Yep. And the narration is like, yes, she was suffering. And she's like, hello, chickens. Hey, why didn't you lay any eggs today? Mm-hmm. The song starts up again that was playing before that I guess is from her point of view mm-hmm. about all of her tears and sadness and how bad her life is. 
But now she's like, I'm in love with nature. Birds are my friends. I tell my troubles to the trees. Definitely fate is going to smile on me again. And like my wishes will come true. And then she pours some pink tinged milk into a pot. Mm -hmm. Yes, pink milk. Pink milk. And the stepmother comes in and she has a mole on her face. And that's how you know she's evil is the mole. I mean, she's also screaming at Cinderella for singing, which is usually a hint. Oh, yeah. It turns out Cinderella was singing this out loud. Yeah. It's just like a cartoonishly drawn on mole. And like they were like, quick, she doesn't look evil enough. What can we do? In my opinion, they should have just bedazzled some things to her face. I think that's always a good luck. Yeah, I don't. I think that would have been a really uh, strong idea. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. So the stepmother is screaming at her, saying, this is why none of your chores get done. These are all done badly. It's spotless. And Cinderella's like, I, I, the chores are, are done. Like, I am doing them. They're not done badly. And then the, the pink milk that she had put in the fire in a pot uh, boils over. And the stepmother absolutely loses it. And Cinderella's like, but stepmother, you were talking to me. And the stepmother's like, I haven't said a word. I haven't said anything. Did I even make a single sound? How dare you accuse me of this? Liar. And it was just like, oh, okay. This is what we're, this is the stepmother character we've got. Okay, cool. Thank you for letting me know what kind of stepmother we're dealing with. This movie does communicate the characters, one character trait, like very quickly. Like we got all of the information we needed about Cinderella's past, like in the narration and we see the stepmother right away. And then, like, immediately after we see her yell at Cinderella, we also see her interact with her daughters. And her voice is completely different. And this is the kind of stepmother that, like, thinks her daughters can do no wrong. Mm-hmm. Which we haven't seen in a while. We've seen, like, a lot of very critical ones. But this one's like, oh, come on, get up, my daughters, my sweet pigeons. Oh, look at these little lambs of mine. Good morning, my sweethearts. I have that she praises her daughters like puppies to get them up. Mm-hmm. The way that I get my boys up in the morning where I'm like, come on, come on. Who's a good boy? Like, that's essentially how she wakes these girls. Yeah, it's exactly like that. Yeah. So they get up or don't. It doesn't matter. The stepmother counts the eggs that Cinderella's brought in. And there is one missing because one of the chickens didn't lay an egg. And Cinderella's like, I can't. I can't make the chicken lay an egg. That's not within my powers. And the stepmother's like, what have you done with it? Yeah, her stepmother accuses her of stealing it. Yeah, and she's and like, is like, where is the egg? Why is it missing? And then that's her fault as well. Well, the line was, I didn't, ha- I didn't get the exact line, but she goes, I can't make the chicken lay an egg. And the stepmother's like, yes, you can. <laughs> and so now Cinderella gets no milk because she burned it or boiled it. No eggs because she has stolen one. And the stepmother grabs a... Uh, girthy baguette that is very stale and just hits Cinderella with it a couple times and then it's like this is your only food and then Cinderella cuddles this bread. Cinderella will cuddle a lot of things like she'll cradle them to her shoulder and chest and like rub her cheek against it and give things little kisses like adorable kittens or like babies I guess. But But just random objects that she encounters. Random object where you're like please don't put that by your face. Please put that down. Uh, the stepsisters come down for breakfast now, and this is the moment that I realized that they were visually identical, and also the moment that I have written down, when is this movie? The stepsisters are wearing bedclothes and bedcaps from the 1950s, 
also sort of like 20-esque. So like their their hair caps and hairstyles are from the 50s. Their sleeping attire is from the 1920s. Cinderella is dressed like she's from the mid-60s. The stepmother is dressed like she's from 1450. The dresses will continue to go weird. So I'm going to go on this timeline journey, regardless of if anybody wants me to. It seems like the movie had too many influences and didn't narrow it down in any way. Mm-mm. And they were drawing both on like what was currently fashionable with the hair and makeup for a lot of the characters. And then they were also drawing on like a French or German, German kind of aesthetic. But also there was a lot of like traditional Turkish clothing elements in like side characters like some of the coachmen were dressed very beautifully in like traditional Turkish almost like a duble yeah yeah but but then we had a lot of people just wearing like you know knockoff Romeo and Juliet stage play high school outfits yeah yeah so they the stepsisters sit down for breakfast and I have in my notes breakfast goes badly the stepsisters scream at Cinderella for having the audacity to make their poor mother sad. One of them breaks something and blames Cinderella. There's just there's a lot of shrieking and they just behave very garishly. They they clamor over one another. They're like crows. You ever just hear like a bunch of crows get in a fight over something? Sounds like that. No, because I don't live near nature. But the one thing that I want to like make a note of is that the stepsisters seem to like each other. They don't pick on each other very much. Mm-mm. They mostly call each other like dear and sweetie. And they don't like use the same baby voice that their mom uses towards them. But they seem like fond of each other. And they're very sweet to their mom. They're like, oh, mumsy, I'm so sorry. Lots of stuff like that. So it's a lot of cooing. And then a lot of just anger directed at Cinderella and the whiplash between that is a lot. It's very jarring. And it is it's it doesn't just happen once or twice in a scene. It happens, you know, 15 times in a three-minute scene. So it's it's mm-hmm. it's a lot. And then at the next scene, you know, Cinderella's posts dramatically and sadly leaning on a well and there's sad music. We're outside and the stepsisters are yelling at the worst disguised fairy godmother, I'm just an old beggar woman costume like I've ever seen. Like, yes. she's not even trying. But of course, they're mean to her. And she asked them for some food and they turn her away and they call her a filthy beggar. They're and- also, by the way, the stepsisters are now in cast off Snow White costumes. So they're now dressed like Snow White, who was from the 1300s. So just... The time travel continues. It's interesting that you say that because that is probably where they got those outfits. Mm-hmm. So right before this film, the writer of this movie, who is also the father of the lead actress, which we're going to get into later. We'll get to. We'll get to. Yeah. Uh, right before this, he had written a Snow White adaptation, which looks to be visually identical to the animated Disney one. But they just like did a live action version of that. So all of the costuming references that. Mm-hmm. And the lead actress here also starred in the previous one. So quite possibly they did just have the dresses left over. 
Mm-hmm. So the stepsisters threaten the woman away with like a stig and that they're going to go tell their mom. And Cinderella sees her and is like, Granny, Granny, wait. Here, Granny. I am so sorry. This is all I can offer. Please forgive me. And gives her the entire loaf of bread that she has mm-hmm. instead of just like splitting in half between the two of them. But, you know, whatever. And the obviously fairy godmother in disguise as an older woman goes, oh, may the Lord smile upon you, my child. You're such a good girl to share your only food and stay hungry all day. And she's like, no, that's not, that's not my only food. I, I mean, I could totally ask my stepmother for food and they would definitely give me eggs and milk. I, that's, I'm totally fine. Yeah. And then the beggar woman goes, you're so honest. You cannot even lie. And then she blesses her, saying, like, oh, may all your wishes come true. May you never be unhappy, et cetera, et cetera. May you never get hurt or be hungry. May you have good fate. Which I'm like, uh, that's a stupid blessing. She's hungry right now. Like, your blessing is, you're doing a bad job. I mean, okay, at this point, we don't, we don't actually know that that's the fairy godmother. So for all we know at this moment in the movie, it's just... A kind older woman just saying something nice to a girl. Like, she's just wishing something nice for her. I mean, the fairy from the beginning of Beauty and the Beast would be like, hey man, could you try a little harder? Like, come on. But anyways, the stepmother has seen this interaction and is furious that Cinderella has given the bread away. And so now she tells Cinderella... No sleep for you for three days, and also no food during those three days and nights. Now, go to the laundry, or I'll break your back and smash your brains. Yeah, all of the stepmother's threats to Cinderella are, like, very violent. And very specific. And also, a lot of them have to do with, like, how dirty or filthy she is, and calling her, like, a dog or a cat, which is meant to be insulting. Yeah. Okay, so Cinderella's actual name in this does appear to be Cinderella, but with an S, like as her given name. Mm-hmm. But everybody calls her Kolkadesi, which like the title of the movie is Cinderella Kolkadesi. And Kolkadesi, we later find out, literally translates to Ash Cat. So that's the Turkish version of Cinderella, like Aschenputzel is the German version and Zolushka is the Russian version. Yeah. So their derisive nickname for her is, like, adorable. Yeah. It's super cute. And then the narration comes back and tells us, this is how Cinderella's life looks. Always tears in her eyes, but she accepts her fate and she doesn't complain. And I'm, I'm like, thinking, like, is that good? Like, is that the I good thing like, about I don't, her? Like, I don't think that's good. Or is that just, like, a sad thing that she accepts her fate? Yeah. And then we get a really big smash cut to the castle. And it turns out the king is also in a bad place and he's rich and powerful and everybody loves him. But don't be fooled. The more important a person, the bigger their problems. The narration tells us we pan to the king and he tells us that his problem is that his son acts weird lately and he's avoiding everyone, even me. And I'm really worried about him because he won't tell me what's wrong. And it turns out he's addressing a group of his like servants or advisors or generals because they're all wearing like military like hussar or like napoleonic war kind of jackets yeah so that's happening and so the king directs them to just 
see if they can figure out what's going on with the prince. And he ends this by saying, if there's anything I could do for my son to be happy again and get back to his like usual self, I would do it. Uh, I would even sacrifice my life. The king, by the way, makes this whole speech wearing baby pink boots, a like baby blue cape, and a burgundy top over beige pants. So he just looks like the silliest person. And just like too much jewelry. Like he went crazy with grandma's jewelry. The production levels in this, like, it's not that it looks low budget. It does. It just looks theatrical in that it doesn't look like it's even trying for any kind of realism. So all of the colors are really bright. A lot of times people are wearing the same outfit, but in multiple colors. And if anything, to me, it looks more like a stage production of something than like a movie. That was so weird. Yeah. Um, but I thought it was really nice how much the king loves his son and is worried about him and wants him to be happy and is yeah. expressing that not by yelling at his son. But by telling the court. I, I agree. I, I don't love that the narration thinks that being sad for your kid is the same as being beaten and starved. But like, I No, think- he's got a really big problem of because he's the king and he's so important. So all of his problems are important. Yeah, I don't, I don't know that that's correlationally true. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to try and be fair. I'm going to try and be fair. At this point, we don't know what is going on with the prince. What's going on with the prince is actually like... Very silly. Yeah, it's not that deep, guys. Like, he's fine. But from the king's perspective, his son has gotten really sad. He won't do any of the things he usually likes to do. And he won't tell him what's wrong, even though he keeps asking. And like, they're very close. His happiness is very important to him. And he's like a prince. Like, what could possibly be wrong in his life? Everything's fine. You know, like, I could see how that would be really concerning to a parent who really cares about their child. You're right. That's a good point. So we cut to outside, and a dark-haired boy is wandering sadly down a path. This is the prince. He has too much bronzer on, and he has curly dark hair. His much hotter best friend comes up and tries to console him like oh your highness tell me what's wrong we grew up together we've been friends please let me we never see this guy interact with the prince ever again ever again nope he shows up to be a hotter best friend and then leave he will be a background person in some of the future scenes but he never matters but the prince is refuses to be consoled and is like nope get my horse and then we cut back to the king now like the prince is riding we cut back to the king and the king is like oh he's gone to the purple mountains to see that sorceress and tal and i are like what and then before we can really process that line we smash cut to rocks and i have it as the sound of wolves howling and demons snarling oh it's the wind old lady fey evil witch kisses bread cave is glowing red and yellow like healthy caves so this is like a dark, evil sorceress lair, but mm-hmm. she's a sorceress the same way that like the villain of the Swan Princess cartoon was a sorcerer, in that some of it appears to be dark magic and crystals, and some of it seems to be a junior chemistry set like with beakers. An Erlenmeyer flask, and just an alchemy lab set up, but in a cave that sometimes glows red and yellow. And also there's a skull on the table later. But this witch doesn't appear to be a bad guy like in any way whatsoever. Like I'm kind of curious about the choice to put a skull in there. Mm-hmm. She's not evil. 
she's mischievous at best or at worst rather and she and the prince are pals and also she is played by the same actress as the fairy godmother and she was definitely the one who was the beggar woman that's how she has the bread that she's kissing in delight yep none of this is explained it's not clear why there is a sorceress and a fairy godmother and also god is like acknowledged and also magic it's not clear if the sorceress and the fairy godmother are the same person or not. Like, they're played by the same actress, yes, but it's not clear if they are also meant to be the same person in the universe of the movie. If they're two separate people, then it wasn't the fairy godmother that was disguised as a beggar woman. It was the witch. Yes, but witches are known to, like, witches do that all the time. I'm saying, I'm correcting myself because I called her, obviously, the fairy godmother. Oh, okay. Because that's usually a fairy godmother beat. Yeah, but, like, but it might have been, like, witch thing that the witch did. Oh, no. But, like, the sorceress also talks about God as though he is, like, the person who beats her in pool every Thursday. She talks about God like someone she is in a minor rivalry tiff with. It's baffling. So, we don't know how much of this is just context that we're missing because we're seeing a film with subtitles. And so maybe all of the references to God sound different in Turkish, colloquially. Like, maybe it's more like, oh my goodness, instead of like actually referring to my Lord God up in heaven. Specifically, I am addressing you right now. You know? Yeah, unclear. Regardless, she and the, she and the prince, she's got, she's very short. She's got long, snaggly white hair. And she's wearing this dark red, I don't know, gown thing with a high collar with like a lighter white underneath it. So she looks very spooky and eerie. And she but has she's this- also like a younger woman still wearing old makeup. makeup and costuming to make her look like she's a lot older than she is. Yeah. But in a different way as when she was the beggar woman. In fact, she looks older now as the witch than she did as the beggar woman. Yeah, I don't know how they manage that, but one of the things that she will do is hold her face very still and then just move her eyes rapidly from side to side. And it's it's definitely eerie. I definitely believe that she was a uh, not aligned with the good entirely sorceress. I just read her as the sort of trickster entity that knows she's in a fairy tale because she does say a lot of things that sort of imply that. And she occasionally looks at the camera almost like she's on the office while it takes a little too long to figure something out mm-hmm. i just i see my future in her is what i'm saying like that's 100 percent what i want to grow up to be so so should i mail you a beaker set or is it too soon i think it's too soon okay okay i'll just we'll check in later we'll check in later i'll we'll put, put a pin in, in it <laughs> so the prince comes in and she calls him, my handsome prince, you're here again. And he's like, yes, because you're the only one who can help me. And she basically like tells him to come over so she can give him a kiss, which she does. And she informs him, you're the only man I kiss on earth. Remember that. And he's like, ah, is it because I am the only one you love? And she's like, yes, because you're the only one showing love and respect for the scary sorceress. But she's been, like, so sweet up until this point. I can't even tell if she's joking or not. Uh, No idea. So through the rest of this interaction, we find out that what is wrong with the prince 
is that he keeps having dreams about Cinderella, but he doesn't know who she is, and he's in love with her, but mm-hmm. she keeps running away from him in his dreams. You get a very weird zoom in on the prince riding through a forest, but we are now in a well, dream. Well, first we zoom in on his eyes. We zoom in on his eyes. So it's yeah. the one time the editing signals to us that we're going that something into his head. is going to happen before yeah. it happens. Yeah, so big zoom in very close to the eyes. His eyes are filling up 100% of the screen. And then we see trees moving as though we're just in a car with a camera pointed up as we drive through the woods, which is undoubtedly what was happening. Yes. But this is the prince's dream. He sees... I have he sees mermaid Cinderella, and then I have parentheses Rusalka. Like... <laughs> so Cinderella... In the context of his dream is definitely just like skinny dipping, like bathing in a pond or a river or whatever. Mm-hmm. But in the within the movie, this is represented by her wearing basically a body colored like skin tone one piece with like very artfully placed shells and flowers. Yeah, like little strands of seaweed and like her chest is very strategically covered with two big flowers. And it's just like very cute, romantic, flirty. Okay, like it is. Water themed outfit is what we're seeing. But in his dream, 100%, he stumbles across a naked girl bathing in the river. Yes, he is now dressed like he's from the 11th century, in case you were feeling some sort of continuity of dress. Um, and the thing is, uh, Cinderella's wearing essentially Little Mermaid clamshells. She's also got a butt clamshell. she's just got like a flower just like over the middle of her butt (laughs) for modesty's sake modesty's sake and and then the prince just chases her over a low bridge and through the woods for like a while and like uh just gentle note um don't chase naked women if a naked woman is running away from you let her go i mean i i would say like don't chase anyone running away from you like that you don't know that you stumbled across and then you ran at them and they started running away. Like, don't follow them. They've made it very clear. But to be fair, it is his dream. He's dreaming. And like, I guess in a dream, that's less weird. Because yeah. I don't want to hold the real life prince. To, to dream prince logic. Yeah, for dream yeah, prince's yeah. actions. Because I that's not fair. Agreed. But the movie is also portraying this as romantic. And the movie was made by real people who were awake. Probably. So, well, it was written by the actress's father. Which is, like, worse. Also, I have that she's definitely not going to get her hair wet because her hair is perfect. Her hair is huge and perfect, and there's not a drop of water that would even dare to touch it. So he describes all of this to us, and then he's like, and then I woke up. It was burning hot. And he asked the sorcerers to help him, and she's like, what do you want me to do? And the prince says, who is this girl? How can I find her? And the sorceress says, well, I already told you she lives in your country. But where? You need to find her yourself. Love is a struggle and you need to, you know, earn it or you wouldn't cherish it. Mm -hmm. And the prince does, whatever the cost, I'll find her. And then he leaves and the witch looks into her magic ball like very intensely. And then we see Cinderella like wiping her brow while she's cleaning 
And in case we didn't pick up on the fact that the girl of his dreams was Cinderella, and also the witch definitely knows this because she just met her. Like, here is now visual evidence that that girl from the far shot is the same as the girl from the close-up shot. Can I, can I read you the sentence that I wrote to describe this entire scene? Yes. Prince leaves mad evil witch scientist demon cave. Cinderella's disembodied head is in a bucket. Because I forgot the word for crystal ball. Oh, that's very good, love. That was my experience. <laughs> <laughs> so this actually has like the one other transition I appreciate it. Because we see Cinderella's face in the crystal ball. Okay, it's not a crystal ball. It's like an upside down glass vase, like at best. Yeah. And then we see that same like image transition to like her face like still in the same place. but we see the context and she's like on the floor scrubbing the fireplace or possibly the stairs. There's like a lot of scrubbing and a lot of smudging and the stepsisters come down in their evil baby pajama outfits and are mean to her and they kick the bucket over and she gets blamed for it. And the stepmother threatens to kill her. Yeah. Cinderella tries to tell her that it was her daughter's. But the stepmother is like, how dare you insult my beautiful, sweet daughters? You should be ashamed of yourself. Oh, my angels, don't mind her. My beautiful girl, she's just jealous. Then she slaps Cinderella and calls her a pot of malice. Oh, thank God. I'm glad you got that line, too. I was like, I can't be the only one that saw pot of malice, which... I'm definitely calling my husband a pot of malice the next time I'm mad at him. You know, sometimes somebody is just a pot of malice. Yeah. Also, I feel like that would really just kick him out of gear and give me an advantage in whatever argument we're having. Absolutely. Yeah. So we leave Cinderella lying on the floor crying, and the stepsisters are getting ready to go out to an event of some kind, and they're back in their Snow White costumes. Talon, you said that they look like they were in, like, Mary Poppins cosplay. Yes. They've got little hats on. The little hats. Yep. And they've got the tiniest pictures on the walls. This big room, big heavy stones, old looking, but like little framed like three by five pictures on the wall. It was the weirdest. Anyways. So they get in a weird orange and black square carriage and roll out. And then Cinderella's sitting sadly, like looking at all the piles of chores, like onions and stuff that she's got to do. And then uh, the windows are open and pigeons show up. And three little people show up as well. Unclear if these are people from the village or the personification of the concept of pigeons or other fae. Um, it's not clear, and it's not clear for a really long time. It turns out that they are just part of the movie? So here's what's happening. The previous movie, as we mentioned, was Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, except I believe they had six. So all of the stuff that we could find online about this movie, like on IMDb, it's like, oh, and the dwarves from the Snow White movie are back. And so I guess in this movie, they are just there to be dwarves. And it's really clear that they're not like super treated like individual characters or adults. No. She calls them her dear friends, but she talks to them like they're 
I don't know. She engages with them the same way that one would engage with, with small children. So she, she pats them on the head. She gives them little shoulder hugs and, like, presses her cheek against theirs. At one point, she picks up one of the women and tucks her over her hip like a baby, which I don't... They don't... None, none of the little people in this movie are treated very respectfully, and there is no reason for, like, a through line from Snow White to come through, although this is now the second... No, this is the third... Oh no, this might be the second or third time Snow White has like seriously intersected to Cinderella. Oh no. So they show up to just be her friends and help her because they, I don't, I think they didn't have the special effects or the time to have the pigeons actually help with stuff. So they just give her three little friends to come over and like chop onions and peel potatoes and whatever. And then what she does is a dance montage where she dances by herself. And shows them how to do chores, which then they don't do. So we get a weird line where her three friends are like, oh, we hate how your stepmother treats you. We don't like the evil lady. We want to punish her. We want to sew her mouth shut. And Cinderella's like, nope, nope, don't do that. Evil is addicting. If you start being evil, you want to keep being evil. Only be good. And then um, Sarp comes back. That's the shepherd boy. If you like, yep. me forgot that his name was Sarp. Every single time. Every single time. Yep. He comes back and he's like, hey, uh, they're coming home. So Cinderella shoes everybody out of the building and they do a fast motion montage now of putting away the chores that haven't been done yet. But the chores are magically finished and the stepmother, as she's coming out of the carriage with the stepsisters, says like, oh, you think that was fun? Wait till we get home and so I can punish Cinderella because there's no way she got everything done. But it turns out that she did get everything done. And so the stepmother doesn't get to break her bones and she's very mad about it. She says... And she says, (laughs) may God kill you and your damned insides fall out. Great. Damn you, Kolkidesi. Great. I'm glad we both got that line. Um... But we just, we leave that line. Like, we just end with, may God kill you and your insides fall out. And back to the prince and the castle and, like, happy music. The prince is in the middle of court and the king is like, my son, I've summoned you to speak to you not as a king, but as your father. And I'm like, you summon him to speak as a father? Like, one-on-one in the middle of court? Like, there's a bunch of nobles around? Like, what? That's not, what? But also... The prince exclusively refers to him as my lord in every conversation. Yeah. So maybe the king is speaking to him like his father, but the prince seems to be very acutely aware of the fact that he's speaking to his king. Mm-hmm. The prince admits that he is in love, and everyone finds this uproariously funny. They laugh at this joke for a solid three beats too long, including the king's entourage of gestures who are also three little people, who are guys, and if you're wondering if they will all pair off at the end. Yep. Yep, they do. They do. do. Just don't... We spoiled that for ourselves, and it was really good, because it would have been very uncomfortable and unpleasant had we not known. So now we've told you, we're all on the same page. Yep. But they, they they find the fact that he is in love with a girl, which is all he says. He's like, I'm in love with a girl. They laugh uproariously. It would be like... One of them keeps falling off the steps leading up to the throne. Like, that's how hard they're laughing. Like, the only way that this would be this funny is if no one had ever heard of a boy falling in love with a girl before. And it was as silly as if he was saying, like, I'm in love with a camel. Like, it's 
There's no reason. Well, no, they do explain why they're laughing that hard because the king is like, my son, if you're in love with a girl, then why are you so sad about it? You're the prince. It doesn't matter which king or sultan is the father. I'll just ask for her. Tell me who it is. Just go find her. Just tell me which one. I'll go get her for you. Yeah, like you can get married to her right away. I give you my permission. Like, what could you possibly be sad about? But, you know, kings have big problems. They do. They're, yeah. So the prince explains that this is a girl that he's only met in his dreams. And the king gets a look of like, whoop, mm, I'm not sure if my son is crazy or not. But like, let's, let's like brainstorm. Let's get some options on the table. And the gestures throw out the idea of like, let's gather the girls in an arena. And the other one's like, like cattle? Like, no, that's a bad idea. And the other one's like, okay, well, what about like a ball? Yeah. And okay. so they basically decide on a ball by committee. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I will say that the parents being like, listen, I'm in love with a girl. I don't know who she is or what her name is, but I do know that she lives in my city. Um, what, what should we do? I feel like that is a much better reason to have a ball where you invite every single girl like in the kingdom so that the prince can find like a girl to marry that night than like okay. the king and the queen being like, well, our son won't get married. So we're just going to have as many pretty girls come and then definitely he will pick one of them to marry. This is a foolproof plan. Mm-hmm. So we get the announcement of this uh, proclamation. I have grumpy chubby man in a sombrero yells this information out to the crowd and we get an incredibly dizzying circle shot where the camera just someone put the camera on a piece of string and twisted it and just let it go like that's that's what this shot is. Yep. And the stepmother is in the crowd and she hears it and she's very happy. And when she gets back to, you know, their home, their farm, mm-hmm. she tells the stepsisters and they cheer And she's like, listen to me, my little babies. We hit the jackpot. The prince is definitely getting married. And they're like, wow, to who? And she's like, no, like to one of you. He's definitely getting married to one of you. Because Mm -hmm. even though everyone in the country will be there, you two are the most beautiful in the country. So he must obviously pick between one of you. And I was like, dang, this lady really loves her daughters, I guess. She is all in on her daughters. Cinderella is carrying the laundry through this scene behind this conversation and she lingers so that she also gets this information. And then we cut to the dress trying on scene where the stepsisters are having dresses made and fitted for them. There's also like other servants in this scene that we never see again. I'm wondering if maybe they're dressmakers or tailors or something. But Cinderella... Stylers? I don't know if you've heard of them. No, I'm not cool enough. I've never heard of a styler. (laughs) So, and Cinderella is also there helping by, like, Mm -hmm. doing something that requires her to crouch on the floor. Yeah, pins or hemming, she's doing something. She says something about, like, oh, I wonder how beautiful the ball will be. There will be so many princesses and gold and carriages. And the stepsisters react with, like, ew, she's talking again? Ugh. And then this is where we learn that Cinderella's name, like her nickname, is Ash Kitten. Ash Cat. Ash Cat. Yeah. Because she always sleeps by the fireplace and she's so lazy and actually she's pitiful. And then they call her like a mean, pathetic kitty. And they're like, oh, 
Look at that pitiful little kitty, which I think. I feel like it was a rhyme. I feel like there was a rhyme in there that I just couldn't hear because I was so focused on the English words. I think it must have been something like poor pussycat, that weird game. Like there must be some association between like being pathetic and being like a cat. I, I guess. In Turkish. Yeah. So, but they go immediately from that to like, oh, poor little Cinderella. Would you like to come to the ball with us? And they do evil faces at each other right before they say that. So that we as the audience, like, are very clear on the fact that this is a trick. Super no. Because Cinderella isn't. No. She, she's picking up on absolutely none of this. And she goes, oh, I'd love to. I'm, I'm really curious about what it would be like. Would you really take me with you? Oh, my dear sisters. And they're like, how dare you want to come with us? Oh, my God, you're in trouble for even thinking that. You're an idiot. How could we take such an ugly girl? It would be a shame. And she's like, no, my dear sisters, it wouldn't be. If you help me, I can look nice. I will be as clean and as beautiful as I can be. If only you would give me one of your old dresses. And they laugh. And then we're in a different scene. And the prince is riding his horse into the woods where the witch's cave is. And I swear they only had that one shot of him riding into the woods. And every time he does it, which is like fairly often, they just show Mm -hmm. us the same exact shot to establish that that's where he's going. And I'm I'm just so curious at their desire to give us an establishing shot for this when they don't do it for literally anything else. Yeah. So the prince is back to our haunted cave with our sorceress and he's asking if the dream girl will come to the ball. And the evil witch goes, I have her minutes as evil witch. Mm -hmm. And she goes, "Mm, only God knows. But she says it like looking up at the ceiling with almost her hands on her hips kind of intonation. Like, oh, you know your father. That vibe. It was so weird. It was either like a, oh, that pesky free will thing again. Or it was like a, Geez, do I have to do everything around here? Like, I don't know. Will she be there? Why don't you do something about it? I want to talk about, like, the, the deities and, like, the power structure of the magic in this world in the after party. Like, that's all I want to talk about is, like, this universe theology. Absolutely. So then we're back at Cinderella's house. And the stepsisters come down the stairs and there's very scary music. And Cinderella's cleaning and they go, mm-hmm. we gave it some thought and we made a decision. You can come to the ball and they toss a yellow dress at her and tell her to alter it so that it fits. And she buys it again. And she's like, oh, my God, I can't believe it. Thank you so much. I will do my best to be a clean and pretty girl and not shame you. My beautiful, kind sisters, you have made me so happy. Thank you. Gives them hugs and like cradles their arms, just like the one arm hug that children do, where they like put both of their arms around one of their parents' arms. And she gives them cheek kisses and she calls them beloved. And my notes go, Oh, this is going to go super duper badly. Yep. Meanwhile, they're rolling their eyes in case you, as the audience, for even a moment have also fallen for this, which like you haven't. You sat through 70 plus Cinderella's. Yeah, but then, but then we get the stupidest scene. We smash cut. Every, by the way, every time we say, and then we cut, there is no instant of break between the scene we were just on and the middle of the scene that we're going to. There's no 
even there's no single second of a room and we talk there's no it's just instantaneous there's no transition there's no like fade to black one second we see a close-up of cinderella's face the next second we get a long shot of her running yelling sarp sarp hey sarp and like nothing in between we don't even get nature sounds and like a pan of where they are it's just cinderella running and you're like oh are we where are we what's happening What's happening? Someone literally cut and pasted this movie together. I have to believe that's what happened. I mean, this movie almost feels like it was actually two hours long. And then when they were editing it, they were like, shit, it's too long. We have to be at exactly an hour and a half. Um, oh, geez. Okay, let's cut out everything that's not super important. And so they just got like rid of any downtime any beat between moments like just whoop okay next scene let's go i am so tempted to edit just like 15 seconds of this podcast so that it sounds like that which i could do i think you should i'm i think i should at some point guys there'll be a 15 second where it's just it's painful to listen to and you want to rip your ears off and that was just the whole movie for us so yeah, so Sarp, she's running out to Sarp and she's yelling, oh, I was so wrong. My sisters are such kind people. They are taking me to the ball. And then smash cut to the ball and they are dancing. I have it as a fast polka, but it is somehow offbeat with itself. And most people at this ball are dressed like they are from the 1880s. So another whole century. And this is the scene where everyone's like all the guys are wearing one type of outfit in slightly different colors to each other. There's only like two or three colors that are available to them. Yeah. And all the ladies are wearing the same cut dress, like identical, but also in a couple of different colors. And I don't like that. I like seeing visual variety. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's a lot you could do with simple detailing or even like adding lot. like a bustle to one and like different length sleeves. Like, you could really do a lot, and it just mm-hmm. feels like they didn't want to, like they didn't care. But I care. Me, Talon, watching too. this yeah. in 2023 in America, I care. Smash cut. Cinderella is now back. She has put the dress on. She's fixed it. She's standing on, like, a platform bed that has a staircase that goes up to it. It's really strange. It's just attached to a wall. There's nothing else. The stepsisters are now in dresses from, like, the mid-1500s. So Cinderella's all clean. She's got this dress. It's yellow with, like, blue edging. And they call for her. And they're like, Cinderella, come on. We're going to be late. And they all run for the carriage because it is cold and raining outside. Like, pouring rain. It's also dark now. It's dark now. Because it's nighttime. Mm-hmm. Because the ball has started. Yeah. So the stepmother and the stepsisters hurry in. And then Cinderella starts to come in and the stepmother, it turns out, has also been in on this joke and is like, absolutely not. Why would you think, like, you stupid girl, you fell for our trick. You're obviously not coming with us. And she shoves Cinderella and Cinderella falls back into like a big mud puddle. That family cackle and shut the carriage door and drive off and just laughing uproariously. And this is the first time that we have seen Cinderella actually have her hair messed up. Because up until now, her hair has been pristine. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, one of those times was in the prince's dream. Okay, I, she's allowed to have pristine hair when she is a dream mermaid. That's fine. 
Thank you. I appreciate that concession. Okay, and then we have the weirdest scene because obviously Cinderella is very sad about this, Mm -hmm. but what the camera chooses to focus on is Sarp, the shepherd, coming out of the trees and standing there and seeing Cinderella crying sadly. And then like one tear goes down his cheek and he takes a step forward to follow her when she goes back inside. But then he changes his mind and retreats back into the trees. And then he presses his forehead against the tree. And, and then smash cut and Cinderella's inside. So, like, we don't, like, I don't, this is never resolved in any way. It's just what happens. Talon's just describing the things we saw. Sarp is sad. Cinderella is sad. I, and now she's home. Yeah. By the way, with her hair messed up, Cinderella now looks like an 80s rock star. Like, she's got the sort of fringy, short, wispy. Okay. When Liv says with her hair messed up, what we actually mean is that her buffont that was like meticulously styled has now been slightly disheveled and it's a little bit messier Mm -hmm. in that it's meticulously styled to look a tiny bit messier it is also immediately dry despite her having been out in the rain which caused that Mm -hmm. but she looks amazing i love this hair on her oh yeah it is like it's still very big and but it's framing her face a lot more, and the little wave to it is like very flattery on her. I don't know. She looks super cute. It's very cute. Uh, but she's also still crying. Sorry, guys. <laughs> uh, she does also go over to a broom that is standing magically on its own and pretends that it is the prince and dances with it. And then we get a full-on dance number, which is weird. I I feel like this scene was supposed to have lyrics behind it, but it doesn't. It's just her dancing with a broom. For a long time. Neither did the chore song, Yeah, actually. The, the chore song definitely was supposed to have lyrics, but didn't. Because it just goes on for a long, 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 long time. I can't believe I'm saying this, but this should have had more musical numbers. I, like a full-ass musical. Like, why didn't it? I it had all of those other scenes where she sang at the beginning, and then she just stopped. It was like a musical, but it was just with weird, unwanted dance numbers. Is there a word for a dance musical? I mean, I guess that's a variety show. I guess. I guess. So as Cinderella is dancing with the broom, just by the way, the broom is not touching the floor. She has picked it up and she is cradling it between her head and her shoulder mm-hmm. and like nuzzling it also sadly as she does. And then we pan to the windows and her three friends who are played by the three little people, the ladies, show up. And also some pigeons, and they just watch her dance, and she keeps dancing. Mm-hmm. And then finally, she sees her friends and is like, oh, my dear friends, please come inside. Don't mind my tears. I'm not sad at all. I'm just so happy. Oh, I'm happy as long as you're with me. I don't care about the ball, the palace. Don't ever leave me. You're my only happiness. Don't abandon me. I'm so happy that you're here don't leave ever i have a confession when i worked in retail and people would make me very very (laughs) angry i would get frustrated to the point of crying which is not a thing you can do while checking people out at a grocery store but i live in the south so i would just tell people that i was having allergies so i would just be like at a register just like very obviously sobbing people are like are you okay i'm like i'm fine i'm having allergies tears are pouring down my face just like, I'm fine. Allergies. How's your day going? Tears. Tears. 
tears. Nope, it's just allergies. Don't worry about it. Yeah, no, the pollen is so bad this time of year. It's sobbing. So, like, I felt this. Oh. <laughs> I was mostly responding to how explicit she was being that, like, her friends aren't allowed to, like, leave her and that they're the only thing keeping her together and that they're the only happiness in her life. Which, like, that's a lot to put on somebody, even if it's three people. Yep. But then the conversation goes in a direction that I really don't like at all. Her three friends are talking about how they wish they were rich so they could buy her gold and carriages and gowns and stuff and she could go to the ball. And Cinderella goes, I'm not sad about the ball. I'm sad because my sisters deceived me and made fun of me. To which her friends respond, don't be sad. You can still go to the ball. We'll make sure you get to the ball. And Pal and I are both like, no, 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 no. That's not, that's, that's a different issue. Could we focus on the, the first, one of those things was a problem. Yeah, it's very interesting to see moments in which like Cinderella is not engaging with the fairy tale on the terms of the fairy tale. Yeah. But everybody else is still like doing the Cinderella story, mm-hmm. regardless of what she says to them. That's interesting. They they also tell her, like, oh, everyone would love you. The prince would fall in love with you. Oh, how I wish you could go. And and now Cinderella's back on board. She's like, oh, right, I'm in the Cinderella. Okay, whatever. I guess this is my problem. And she's like, oh, but how could I? You know, I wish I could, but I couldn't possibly. And then, like, a voice, like a lady voice, just thunders into the room with a bunch of smoke and fire or fireworks or sparks or something. I you have, will! <laughs> I have wall explodes, fire juggling. So what we're seeing is a lot of smoke and five or six flaming objects moving in a circle. So just someone doing a really cool fire juggling routine where like you got the fire ropes or fire sticks or whatever they are. But we can't see them, just the fire. Just the fire. And then they're like sparkler cherry bomb action. And everyone is just huddled in terror about this. The birds are going everywhere. And the soundtrack is just someone has given up and just thrown the xylophone down the stairs in frustration. (laughs) This is how our fairy godmother appears. And she is played by the same actress as the sorceress. But now her face looks really young. And she's wearing the most fascinating outfit. She's got none of her hair showing. All of it is pulled back away from her face. And she's wearing like a very long, tall, pointed fairy princess hat that is like the shape of a dunce cap, Mm -hmm. basically. And her cap and her dress are like white with these blue patterned stars. Mm -hmm. But the pattern is so large and covers so much of her outfit that it actually looks like very contemporary. Like, it looks like something Lady Gaga could theoretically wear. A hundred percent. If you told me that that was a Lady Gaga outfit, I would believe you. I'd ask about the time travel, but I'd believe you. I mean, if anyone could possibly time travel to randomly appear in a Turkish Cinderella from the 70s, why not Lady Gaga? Yeah. And she has a very upsetting echoey effect on her voice, which I didn't like at all. It did make her unearthly, but I also hated it. She goes... Sometimes God sends me down to earth to help people who are good and kind. What do you wish for? And Cinderella's like, "Mm, nothing. I'm good. Which, by the way, is exactly the right reaction to have 
when somebody s- describes themselves as a fairy and offers you something. Yeah, like, nope, I'm good. Thanks. The fairy godmother is like, no, you, you don't want to go to the ball. And her friends are like, oh, yeah, you do want to go to the ball. Say you want to go to the ball. And she's <laughs> like, oh, yes, I would like to go to the ball. And the fairy godmother is like, cool, find me a pumpkin and then join me with your friends. I'm going to be in the garden. And then then we're in the garden. Yep. And uh, the, the things that we have gathered are birds. And there's... The pigeons. Pigeons, yeah. And there's two bunnies, because... And there's We've also, never seen the bunnies before. Nope. Uh, but the little black dog is there, who we haven't talked about as much as we'd like to, but the dog is usually around, and it's just super cute. Yeah, he's very sweet. He's very, like, excitable. He he shows up later in the movie to, like, have a role in the plot. Mm-hmm. It's very sweet. Also, Cinderella at one point goes, like, oh, this is impossible. And the fairy godmother goes, nothing is impossible against God's will. And I was like, okay, I don't. What's happening here? Is this like a good omens thing where we've got like an angel and a devil kind of like playing both sides, playing both but it's sides the same side to get? Yeah, I don't know what's going on here. So she waves a literally just a, a giant sparkler over the pumpkin and the bunnies and birds, and the transition that we get is explode. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a bomb sound, much like the holy hand grenade of Antioch has been flung at the evil bunny rabbit of doom. Everything in the scene has just exploded, but now there's a coach with horses. And then the fairy godmother announces that the bunnies and dogs will be her coachman and her guard, and that her three friends will be her ladies-in-waiting, I guess. And she just explodes all of them, too. And They're the- really excited, by the way. They're like, wait, we're going to the ball? Really? Yeah. And she's like, yep. Mm-hmm. And uh, they've had sort of grayish hair until now some of them they've been very different ages but now they all have black hair with very frilly pink dresses like very floofy they all have to wear the same matching dress which i wish that if they had to wear the same matching dress at least they could have gotten it in three different colors like gaston's fangirls did yep or like the three fairies from snow from sleeping beauty i don't know i just feel like it's kind of a bummer that they don't get their own outfits oh uh, yeah no agreed one of the many bummers in this movie yeah it could have even been three shades of pink and it would have been fine. Because they're obviously pink because her dress is going to be pink. So they have to match her. But like they could have done three shades of pink even. Like that would have been fine. I mean, it would have been better. Yeah. Anyways. So Cinderella's like, oh my gosh, is this a dream? And the fairy godmother does more magic things and is like, now do you believe me? And she's like, yes, of course I believe you. But will I have to go to the ball in this dress? And the fairy godmother is like, no, you're, you're going to get a new dress. Uh, listen carefully. This is very important. You will introduce yourself as the princess of the Purple Mountains. And that's where we keep hearing the princes going off to, like, to see the sorceress of the Purple Mountains. Mm-hmm. So the Purple Mountains are either, like, really close by or the witch and the fairy godmother are the same person. And this is meant to be a broad hint to the prince that he does not pick up on. The fairy godmother says, don't say anything else. You have to leave at midnight. Don't drift into the princess charm or else everything will turn back. You absolutely have to leave the palace at midnight. Our pal Sarp mm-hmm. is still watching just from the woods. Yeah. So he's seeing this all happen. That doesn't matter. It doesn't have anything to do with anything. 
and then we do a quick cut back to the ball, and then we do a quick cut to the carriage with the horses trotting in the dark towards the ball, and then back at the ball, we zoom in on the prince's face, which is bored, he's unhappy, and then we see the carriage again, and lots of people's feet as they're dancing, like we're seeing their shoes, and then we do a split screen of the carriage driving towards the ball in the night and the ball happening. In case you can't hold the two ideas in your head at the same time, that the ball is happening and Cinderella is in the carriage going to the ball, which is currently happening at the same time, but Cinderella is not there yet. She's in the carriage, which is on its way to the ball. Do you remember about the ball? Here's what they're doing there. Yeah. I don't think the makers of this movie trusted their audience at all. No, not even a little bit. I can only assume that the test audience was like a bunch of six-year-olds with severe ADHD who'd just been given like espresso and a puppy and then asked, hey, what happened in that scene? What's going on right now? And they were all like, there's a puppy. I don't know. Look, espresso. There's a dream. Like, and they're like, oh, well, clearly we didn't do a good job of explaining that there is a ball happening and a carriage ride. Like, that's the only possible explanation is that that was their test audience. Okay. As somebody who was formerly a toddler and who still has ADHD and who was actually given coffee, not espresso, but coffee at that age, I did not have a puppy. So that might be the missing component. (laughs) I would have really liked this movie. And I would have been like, wow, look at those horses. I would not have been confused because this is not like a particularly complex story. And if I was, the only thing that would happen is I would have rewatched it over and over and over again, which is only a good thing. I really think they shouldn't have done any kind of explaining and agreed I'm, you know I'm go- from the adhd caffeinated <laughs> toddler division i would just like to say on behalf of all of all of us don't blame us for this i'm just i'm trying to my brain is trying desperately to find some way to make this make sense and i am failing and i'm being very contrary about your coping device i'm so sorry that's totally fine i appreciate it when you call me out and i like learning i like when you correct me when i'm wrong you make me a better person Aww. uh but yeah the prince is sulking princely he does not wish to dance because the woman that he wants to dance with isn't here the stepmother is absolutely positive that the prince isn't dancing because he can't choose which of her daughters to dance with first my note here, by the way, is that all of the guys at the ball look like Power Rangers because mm-hmm. they're dressed in like tunics that are primarily white with like one bit of solid color that changes between them and just like white leggings, basically, and then boots. It was a very strong Power Rangers energy. Strong agree. So the prince is like, no, I'm not going to dance with anybody. I feel like the girl of my dreams will be here soon and trumpets blow and... She comes in and she gets introduced as Cinderella, which was when we realized that that was her name. Well, wait, wait, wait. She's introduced as Cinderella, Princess of the Purple Mountains. Yeah. So she did follow directions. She did. She did. And, and that's why the prince thinks she's a princess, because she was literally, he spends a lot of time calling her princess. And I point this out now because I was like really annoyed because multiple times in the movie, she's like, I'm not actually a princess. But in his defense, that was the title she was introduced with. And I think he's just trying to be polite. That's fair. She's wearing a light purple dress, like it's a soft lavender lilac kind of color with a gold cape. I have 
She has a very fine veil with like rhinestones on it, much like we saw in Three Wishes for Cinderella, where it's just very sheer, but there's a couple of sparkly things. But then we zoom in, and I'm wrong. It's not a very fine veil. Her face has been bedazzled. She's just got like glitter swirls on four or five different places on her face with like a big blue gem on each same part of the swirl and then also going down her neck and I was just like what's happening it doesn't look like an accent or eye makeup it looks more like a mask like a full face mask not a just around your eyes kind of mask because it's just literally on every part of her face yeah uh it's not a balanced design it's on her cheeks and on her chin and on her forehead it's just everywhere they're also not blue gems they appear to just be blue sequins I'm yeah but there are also like little pearl looking beads. Um, it just as accents. Yeah. Just to add a little bit more shimmer to it all. It looks, Nobody else is doing this. It looks like she has glitter pox. Like some sort of poxy disease has come through that's glitter. And she's got it. This <laughs> is just like very questionable decision making. I can't. I understand somebody doing this, but I don't understand nobody being like, no, that's not working. Like, somebody did this, Mm -hmm. and then they recorded it, and then they edited it. And then they released it. And everyone was like, yeah, Yeah. that works. We don't need to reshoot that. That that is a good look. The other thing that I'm real, let's say, intrigued about Mm -hmm. with her outfit is that She's wearing like a dress that has kind of straps. It's sleeveless, but she also has these two armbands around her biceps that look kind of like ruffled garters and are about that thin. Mm-hmm. And she's wearing them basically like pool floaties. Yeah. And they're just, that's just where they are. Also, her hair is in a sort of almost Gibson girl updo. It's a massive, massive beehive hairstyle. It's so big. It's a lot. And then we get some really amazing zooms uh, on the prince's eyes, and then on her eyes, and then back to the prince's eyes, and then back to her eyes, and then finally we zoom in on someone's mouth, and then we get to zoom out on someone's mouth so that they can greet one another and they can dance. And we now see the outline of her dress for the first time. She's wearing an 80s prom dress. Which is very impressive considering it's 1971. Yeah. And they're dancing to the Blue Danube Waltz by Strauss, which Talon and I had to pause the movie and be like, okay, what is the name of that song? It was very frustrating. So here's how I have it in my notes. They dance to da 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 dun 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 song. So it's the one that goes da 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 do 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 da 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 do do that one and so it was like what a weird choice. <laughs> what a weird- I just feel like that's no longer a neutral piece of music because it's so used to signify like a comedy beat. Like it just feels like something that should be in Looney Tunes. What? No, that's like the triumphal waltz music like that's like the party music that happens when someone is like doing really well at a party they'll play that in the background when someone's like taking a party by storm and is doing really well and you usually get like a big pan out shot of the whole group as it does the like swelling so they'll start dancing with the like do 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 
I can't sing the song, so I'm sorry, guys. And then as it swells into the like, it it swells, and then you get like a big show. It's just them doing well at a party. So like for me, this is okay music, but it's weird romantic music. This is more like aha, socially achievement unlocked music. I just I'm. I feel like it gets used a lot, like when you need a piece of classical music in something. Yeah, it's it's like a very common cultural reference point, mm-hmm. like in America. Obviously, I don't know about Turkey, so it felt weird because I didn't know what tone they were going for, yeah. and it was really distracting as like generic ball music because I was like, "What is this? I know this." Yeah, they would have been better off to just pick another waltz. Um, they're also. By the way, dear listener, if you thought that they were waltzing in time to the music, they're not. No. Nor are they waltzing in time to anybody else in that room who are also not on time with the music. Uh, It was driving me crazy. Uh, It hurt so bad to watch. So the prince and Cinderella have a conversation. Mm -hmm. He's like, who are you? And she goes, oh, your poor servant, master. And he's like, no, I am the servant. I am your prisoner. And more dancing. They switched to doing a flamenco now, even though the music doesn't change. They, they're just doing a, a flamenco very dramatically. Lots of lifts, big wide arms spread. And then we cut to a dream sequence that's full of fog. I have Okay, but here's the thing. The dream <laughs> sequence is not communicated to us as being a dream sequence in any way, other than the fact that everybody else is out of the scene now. And Cinderella's hair is down. And the floaty armbands are missing. Everything else is exactly the same, and the music does not change. The room is full of smoke. The room is full of smoke. Yes, the room is full of smoke. You already said that, so I didn't feel like I needed to say that. But yes, I do agree. There was a lot of smoke. I I just mean, like, it doesn't look like a dream sequence. It looks like a continuity error. Yeah, very much. Agreed. They are doing, by the way, very bad lifts and very bad dips, where they are obviously not balanced, out of breath, very much looking dizzy and like staggering. They're doing a really bad job. And then I have different dream. No, we're back in a forest cave, cave in a forest, in a cave on a cliff, question mark, question mark. Oh, that's not a dream. So Cinderella and Prince are just outside. We just have a cut and they're still dancing, but now they're dancing like far away from the palace. Presumably still in the palace grounds somewhere, but just like outside with trees. And then we're back at the palace where they aren't. And the king and all of his like entourage and like the prince's friends, I guess, Mm -hmm. are all raising a glass to what a beautiful night. And may it be a herald of the future in honor of tonight and the prince. And they all cheer. Um, Then we get our the two sets of little people fall in love scene in that the king's gestures are like, oh my God, look at her. And the cute thing is that each of the guys is in love with each of the girls, but they're all in love with a separate girl. Mm -hmm. And both of them think that they're talking about the most beautiful one, but they're all talking about different girls. And the girls are doing the same thing. Like, Oh my God, look at that one. That one, no, that one's kind of like, whatever. But that one, he's a lion. He's a lion. Oh man, that was actually cute. I I did kind of like that because it just felt very wholesome and sweet. It did. I really enjoyed it. And then one of the gestures is like, I'm going. 
And the other one's like, where? And he's like, to marry her. To marry her. And they have to like physically restrain him and sit him down. And they're like, there's a right way to do these things. And then we're done with that scene. We're back outside with Cinderella and the prince. And they're doing the bit where they're like, oh, it feels like a dream. But no, it's for real. And heaven is here because you are here and I love you. You are more beautiful than angels. And then smash cut back to the ball. And the jesters ask the ladies in waiting to dance. And then smash cut back outside. And the prince gives Cinderella a rose. And again, she's like, again, I am not a princess. I am a servant. Literally, I serve people. I am a servant. Poor lonely girl. And the prince is like, I, I literally don't care. I don't care at all. God wills me to love you. If you're poor, I'll be poor with you. If you're a servant, I'll be a servant with you. Yeah, the prince is basically listing like every scenario in which he would join her. And like, by the way, if she was poor and he would be poor with her, what, they don't have to do that. Like if she was poor, he would just marry give her. her money and marry and her and give be... her and then she wouldn't be poor she will be rich with him like if you are poor now you're rich yeah it's... if you're a servant now you're not i do like that this... would have been a better line i do like the sentiment of i literally don't care i would give up i don't my father might not approve of this i don't care i will give up all of this i only want you but he doesn't say that like he doesn't say no he doesn't if you wanted me to That's... i would be a servant like if you would only have me as a servant i would be a servant with you okay that would be a better way to phrase it but they didn't have you to advise them talon so this was obviously the best they could come up with and well, I, I wasn't it was... born yet well you late again <gasps> <laughs> um unfortunately the prince's descriptions of the ways in which he would love her and the things he would do uh, takes a bummer of a turn because we're about to have like another Romani Giesler situation where where the prince is like, oh, and if you were, he doesn't say Romani, uh, but that's what I guess yeah, I they mean. Uh, he was like, I would join you. And then he says, if you were a desert girl, the desert would become my heaven. And it seems he seems to be saying like, if you were from the Middle East, I did not get that line until the second weird dream sequence shows up. At the time, I thought it was just if you lived in the desert, the desert would be my paradise because you'd be there. That's not what he's saying. No, he literally means like I would still love you if you were Arabic. Yep, that's that's what he means. Yeah, I also did not pick up on that at first. Nope. So. That's happening. He looks at her and he says, I love you. I love you with all my heart. And she looks at him. And then the clock starts tolling. Very slowly. Yeah. And she looks at him and she's like, I am so sorry. I have to go. I can't stay. Like, I have to go. And he's like, you what? And she starts to run away. And then he starts chasing her. And he's like, princess, I beg of you, stop. And she stops and looks at him, and he stops and looks at her, and then she starts to run again. Oh my god. And he's like, oh! And then he starts to run again. So she runs back into the ball. By the way, what she's, she's running... She's gotta collect her friends! She's gotta get her friends. But what she's running back, by the way, she's running back along, like, a road at the edge of a cliff, and I'm like, is she running away from, like, a cabin in the woods scenario, and she's gotta, like, leave the environment? No. 
that would be funny. Heathcliff. Heathcliff. <laughs> oh God. Anyways, yeah. So she collects her friends, and she from the middle of the dance floor. Oh, she just hauls them out like mid dance, and as the prince is like scanning the room people keep dancing around him and they keep like doing the same dance and he gets kind of closed in. That was cool. Yes. So she runs down the path and there's a just various chasing. She gets to the carriage and it starts to rock back and forth violently. And then it explodes again, full grenade style. And so she runs away some more and she and her friends part ways. They run down the path. She takes like a hard right into the wood. The prince continues to chase her, but only until he's close. And then he stops and lets her run away some more. So, And then chases her again. So the prince appears to think that he and Cinderella are playing the same game that my dog thinks we're playing <laughs> every time she runs away and I chase her. Where if I get too far away, she'll stop and wait until I get closer. <laughs> and then she'll start running away when I'm like within reach. I, it, that is not the game we're playing. I am trying to catch her because she's gotten off leash and I need her to stop. But, you know, that's fine. She's having a great time. There was a great moment where Cinderella is running through the woods facing... You guys, Talon keeps pointing the camera down and showing me this adorable puppy and then expecting that I will manage to talk about this movie instead of the puppy, which is so stinking cute. Okay, in my defense... In my defense, this dog keeps coming over to me to hang out. I tried leaving her out of the room and she was such a baby about it that I, yes, yes, you, you are a baby. Uh, <laughs> they let her back in and now she she just keeps coming over. Yeah. Big yawn. I don't know if you could hear that, but she just yawned. Big yawn. I'm not editing any of this out. Okay. Well, everyone say hello to my dog. Uh, hey, dog, do you want to say anything? Hello. Do you want to say something? Say hello. <laughs> she does not want to say anything. She left. <laughs> um, but she is sneezing aggressively now. <laughs> so Cinderella is racing through the forest. And it's a very sparse forest so that we can see her run through it. And she's running directly towards a pretty narrow tree. And she turns around to look back at the prince but keeps running forward. And I was like, please, oh, please let her run face first into this tree, please. <laughs> please. No. We cut back and she just vanishes into the darkness. And the prince just stops chasing her. The prince stops to stare after her, even though she has not gone that far. Like, he just is like, oh, I'm not allowed to leave the palace grounds or I'll be in trouble. Is my interpretation of that. He realizes that she's left behind a shoe and he looks so happy to find it. Yeah. This is the first time we've had a shoe that actually looks like glass in like a while. It's very clear. It's also ugly as sin. It's so icky. It's got a very practical, like, chunky, low, square heel. And it's got kind of like the square toe on the front, too. It's just, like, very much not the aesthetic of a Cinderella shoe, typically. Yeah. And I think maybe, like, if I was watching this in the 70s, I'd be like, that's a that's a sick-looking shoe. I love that shoe. Yeah. But uh, that is not the case right now. I'm like, oh, that's... That's ugly. That's a little ugly. Yeah. So at this point, yeah, all the midnight chimes have struck. Everything explodes and goes back to normal, except her shoe. And she's back in her yellow dress, which I have is 
not muddy in spite of the fact that she was definitely pushed into a mud puddle in this dress earlier this evening. Maybe it all dried off and kind of she just brushed it off as you can with mud. Sure, sure. Maybe. But, uh, so at this point, the um, we were at the end of one of our nine minute segments of movie. And my YouTube said, next up, would you like to watch a really beautiful Lyra routine to Michael Bublé's rendition of Crimea River? And Tal and I were both like, yes. Movie pause. It was four minutes long. And uh, we took a sanity break. It was incredible. So that we could come back refreshed, rejuvenated, ready to watch more. And Yeah. My, my first note upon returning is back to the movie. Darn. So, in the movie, uh, we see Cinderella. She's back home. She's leaning on the door, holding the shoe to her chest and kind of nuzzling it. And then she goes and she opens the trunk, which seems like a fairly obvious place to hide something. But, you know, what do I know? And then she nuzzles the shoe some more mm -hmm. and hides it in the trunk. And then her friends and, like, all the animals arrive because they had split up earlier for reasons undisclosed to us and they're all tired and out of breath and they're like oh my god we're so tired i feel like i'm gonna die i'm really out of breath and cinderella's like yes i'm tired too i ran very hard but i'm so happy what a wonderful night it is you have no idea how happy i am my friends but then all of her friends start being like no actually i'm really happy too uh i met somebody and then, like, one of the other friends is like, no, no, I, I met somebody. I met somebody even more handsome than the prince. And then the third one's like, no, you guys don't get it. Like, I met somebody. I met somebody. It was pretty great. Yeah. It's very cute. They're all talking about how handsome these boys are that they're in love with. And one of the ladies comes up to Cinderella and is like, so he said he would die if I leave. Um, like, would he? Is, do, do you think he's going to die? And Cinderella's like, no, no, don't worry. Men are strong creatures and they don't die easily. Hard disagree. And that seems to, like, really reassure her friend. And she's like, oh, okay, good. But then they end this conversation with, like, ah, oh, such a ball that was, it hurt all of us. Yeah, I think they're all like coming down from the like, wow, that was amazing. We're home. We're safe. We're oh, oh. we're home. Mm, mm. home. Ah. Or I mean, Cinderella's home. We don't know where home is for any of her friends. They just appear at her window. Yep. But that's fine. And then it's morning hmm. and the stepsisters and the stepmother are having breakfast as Cinderella serves them and they're all chatting about how wonderful the ball was. And the stepsisters get into a fight over who the prince paid attention to more and they ask their mother and she tells them, no, not either one of you, both of you. First he looked at one, then at the other, then at one and at the other. He couldn't tear his eyes off of both of you. And he couldn't decide who was prettier because you're both so beautiful. And that reassures them until one of the stepsisters is like, yeah, until that princess showed up. Oh, my God. She was so pretty. And then they start giving her angry compliments. Like, she had such beautiful hair. I hate it. Or, like, she had such a small waist. I wish it would snap. And Cinderella's like, 
you thought she was beautiful? And they're like, shut up. You wouldn't know anything about it. But anyways, I bet she has the most wonderful life. And she lives in a beautiful chateau. And she drives a golden carriage. And she takes a bath in milk every day and gets massaged with rose oil. And then they send Cinderella to the kitchen for smiling. Well, also what happens is every time they describe something about like, oh, her beautiful skin, her eyes, her smile, her hair, Cinderella just compulsively touches that part of her own body. So they're like, oh, I missed that. She has such a thin waist and she like puts her hands on her waist and she's like, oh, and her skin was so white and she like touches her face and they're like, and her smile was just, she, and her hair, she's just mimicking them. It's so obvious. I thought that the stepmother was going to catch on and we were going to have a moment. Nope. That's just a weird thing that happens in the background so that we know that Cinderella knows that she was also the princess. Like, this movie doesn't trust us well, a jot. An iota. I read... None. <laughs> no, not even a little bit. But I do feel like it is... I don't know if this is what they were going for, but I do feel like it's similar to a fairly common Cinderella beat in which Cinderella is so consistently told that she's ugly that she believes it. And then when she hears other people describe like her as beautiful without knowing that they're talking about her, she's like, wait, am I beautiful? Mm-hmm. And she realizes that they've been lying to her and that they're not like well, this was also- trustworthy sources of information about what she is or isn't like. Yeah. This was also a little bit of a reminiscent of the beat from the Brandy Cinderella with the stepsisters lament where they're like, oh, she's so delicate. I could just break her in half. Oh, her hair's so pretty. Or she could yeah. rip it all out. Like, <laughs> I love. So that was a really funny beat for me. I enjoyed that. It was the least annoying that the stepsisters ever got. Mm-hmm. And I really liked it. But it was not quite good enough to balance out how annoying they were the rest of the time. Yep. So we cut to the prince lounging soulfully with the shoe as though he's having like pillow talk with it. And uh, as we pan out, his jester friends are also lounging on the same bed behind him, also staring at the shoe. So the jesters are like, oh, well, maybe she was an angel. And the other one goes, maybe she was a fairy girl. And the prince is like, yep, that makes sense. I couldn't, I can't think of a single other explanation for why she would just vanish like that. Just like in my dreams, she ran away. Angel or a fairy. No other reason. There's no possible reason. I mean, he is right. He picked up all the signals correctly. She was very into him. Yeah. And so he's just saying there must be something supernatural involved for her to flee like that. And he's not wrong. (laughs) No, he is not wrong. I also didn't understand why this scene included the jester guys until I realized just now... As we're recording, that the only thing they presumably know about the girls they're in love with is that they're, like, the ladies-in-waiting to Cinderella. And if the prince finds Cinderella, they'll get to find their girlfriends again. Yeah, so they're very invested in him finding this dream girl. So now we get a connection between Cinderella and the prince scene, where we will be cutting painfully dramatically back and forth between the two. Future Liv here. As threatened, I mean promised, the next few moments will include horrible editing because I refuse to suffer alone. So Cinderella's doing chores. The prince is dancing by himself in the ballroom. They're both listening to the voiceover of their conversation the night before. And then we join Cinderella for a little bit longer and we transition into her staring into the fire. 
Okay, no more bad edits, but you guys have to know it was like that the entire time. And we now get a very interesting fantasy sequence from her. So we, we zoom into the fire and we zoom out of the fire and we are now at a Romani camp. And by Romani camp, I mean everybody is wearing yoga pants and boleros that are brightly colored with tambourines. Basically, they're wearing like neon flamenco inspired outfits and there's a lot of ruffles at the bottoms of bell bottoms yes and also a lot of like fringe just shredded tassely things and everybody's midriff is bare the guys and the gals this is in response to cinderella remembering the prince telling her that if she was a romani girl then he would like join her yes and so she is now having this fantasy, which is actually just a dance number. A dance but in number. her fantasy, I do want to make very clear <laughs> that she's dancing with the prince. And she's wearing like a belly shirt with her flowy skirt on and stuff like that. But the prince is wearing like a twist-tie crop top. And his like midriff is out too. And then he's also wearing like swishy bell-bottomy French pants. And also they are hot pink. Uh, thank you, hot pink. I was like, when is Talon going to mention the hot pink? So the context of this scene is like bad. And they use the G-slur like a lot, which is why we're not repeating it and why the scene is complicated to talk about. But she is also just like thinking like, wow, that prince I met was so dreamy. You know what he would look sexy in? And then is like daydreaming Hot about the prince yeah. in like a sexy like midriff outfit. Hot pink. And I do, I, I like that for her. Like, I like that we get to see Cinderella have a fantasy. So that's what that scene is. It's also a really awkward flamenco number. And it's not just the two of them having like a fun dance or a sexy dance. There's a whole dance troupe there. The entire camp is involved in this and they're all wearing flamenco outfits and doing a weird flamenco tambourine dance. And this is just, by the way, all of the dancers from the ball. And just like at the ball, all of the guys are wearing the same outfit in, like, one color. And all of the girls are wearing the same outfit in, like, another color. Mm -hmm. uh, we're also getting really, really terrible unsafe lifts and dips again. The background music is fading into and out of itself somehow. And then we're immediately, like, smash cut done with that fantasy. And we are back to the movie. And then this next nine minutes segment ended and my next step on YouTube was, would you like to watch Quest for Camelot instead? And I was like, yes, please, absolutely. Could we please transition into Quest for Camelot? I would love to watch that instead of this. We did not do that. We were responsible. Yep. We did not pause this 82 minute movie almost at the end to watch another hour and a half <laughs> of a different movie. But we did have to think about it. We considered it. This was about the time in the movie where I realized, oh, I don't like this movie. Yeah. So she's back to hanging out by the fireplace, remembering the things the prince said. And the next line he said to her was, if you were a desert girl, then the desert would be my heaven. And now she's picturing like a belly dancer thing. And most reviews describe this as like he's a sheik or a sultan and she's like a belly dancer dancing for him. Um, but what she's doing is not belly dancing. I just want to be clear. Like no. she's wearing an outfit inspired by belly dancing outfits and she's wearing like sheer 
pants, but they're not like she's wearing it's like an I dream of genie outfit, essentially. Yeah, she's got a couple of jingly bells and stuff hanging from a very very thin belt on her hips and a jingle bra that has some stuff and here's the thing i have actually done a decent amount of belly dance talon has had to experience this you were around for the part of my life where i was doing belly dance pretty intensely yeah that belt is not nearly heavy enough it needs way more heft to it way more part of the reason she made zero jingling sounds no, as she was dancing but like and she made zero movements with her stomach she only moved her hips or her shoulders which is like not the belly not belly dancing no also just side note because i cannot let this go the reason that belly dance belts have to be so heavy is that they really help you with the actual performance of the dance like you you need that extra weight and extra heft to help you isolate hip movements and to really emphasize what you're doing and it's it's like it's this flimsy stupid little jingly thing that she's got on just drove me absolutely bonkers Mm. i have no commentary about the weight of the belts i know that the purpose is to jingle and it did not jingle and as someone who enjoys jingling and would like there to be jingling when i see a visual signal that there will be jingling i was disappointed by the lack of jingling did I say jingling too many times? Nope. Great. The prince is also wearing a lot of pink in this scene too, but more of a baby pink. Yeah, he's also got like a very deep V on his top yeah. that looks kind of like it goes down to the top of his pants, which are pretty high-waisted. And mostly he's reclining and just like kind of reaching out to Cinderella who keeps coming closer to him and then receding. She also still has backup dancers, by the way. Mm-hmm. There's like four, five, or six other ladies just dancing there in matching backup dancer outfits. So then... We're done. We're just out of that scene now. Basically, and she's asleep by the fire. Mm-hmm. So again, I know that this movie exists because a person like wrote it and directed it and like made it and like people made decisions. And one of those people was the writer who, again, is the lead actress's father. And so, like, yes, all of that is, like, the context for this. But within the universe of this movie, Cinderella's fantasies about the prince are very, like, she reads a lot of romance novels in her spare time. And she's like, what if he was, like, hot and partially shirtless? Partially shirtless, yeah. What if I was the main dancer? Mm. So we cut to the prince riding through the forest, and he winds up in the witch's alchemy lab again. And she's hitting something with a rock. I have that there is a ghostly fire hanging from the ceiling for some reason. And this is the scene where the prince fails to realize that the shoe is a clue that he could use. And the witch has to very gently lead him to it. And it takes a while. (laughs) It takes a while. She says, everyone has a secret and each secret leaves a hint behind and looks at him meaningfully. And he's like, I have no idea what you're talking about. What a hint. And she's like... She leads this boy so carefully until finally he's she like, makes him- oh, the shoe. <laughs> and the entire time this is happening, he's looking like very deep in thought. And she's just looking straight ahead, which is where the camera is. And it's trying so hard not to like laugh and also look so exasperated because she's like, OK, like, think back. Where did you meet her? What happened? Walk me through it. Yep. And he keeps being like, but I don't know. And she's like, I think you might. might. 
And so when he finally figs- figures it out, she's like, yes, the shoe. He's like, oh, my God, yes, I got it. Thank you. And he kisses her and runs away. And then she cackles. And I fully believe that this is not like an evil witch cackle in the sense that something evil happened. But that's just the laughter that she was holding in the entire <laughs> time during that interaction. Yep. So we get the announcement that there's going to be a shoe montage. But we got an extra little bit this time, which was all young girls will not leave their houses. And we were like, oh, oh, all the women in the country are under house arrest until the shoe trier can come on. Interesting. Okay. And also, like, if you're commanding all of them to do something, why not get them into an arena like cattle? Yeah. Also, the shoe is described as the mystical shoe. And we get another horrifyingly dizzy circle pan shot. And they do specifically announce whoever the shoe fits will be the wife of the prince and our princess. Which, like, I don't think the witch was saying do that. No, but also I don't know that those two needed to be distinguished. If someone marries your... We don't have a multiple wives, chief wife situation going on here. This, I But don't... it's not like the prince is looking for the girl who lost her shoe. It's specifically try on the shoe. If it fits you, you're the new princess. Congratulations. Yeah, it's it's weird. Okay, like I get when that element is there, mm-hmm. when this is like a move that the prince is pushed into. But like, that's not what's happening here. And then, like, his dad really likes him, and nobody's pressuring him to get married. So, like, it just, it took a weird turn. Anyway. Smash cut. Speaking of weird turns. (laughs) So we smash cut to the stepsisters soaking their feet, Cinderella's scrubbing them, and we find out that the stepmother's plan for getting them to fit into the shoe is to have them soak their feet in very hot water, have Cinderella scrub their feet, And then put them in iron shoes that are too small for them and have them walk around. Which they do. And they teeter and totter on these iron shoes. And I have, they weeble and wobble and whine, but don't fall down. (laughs) And then the actual shoe montage happens. We get a lot of scenes of people riding dramatically. We only see one, like, mother-daughter pair be sad that the shoe didn't fit as the guys ride away. So we just see them riding a bunch. And my music note for this scene is, Auntie M, Auntie M, the twister's coming. (laughs) I have very dramatic music, kind of like swarming bees. Yes. Uh, Like if you sped up the Jaws soundtrack uh, comedically and put it on a loop. A little bit. And then there's a lot of shots that zooms in on the horse's feet, because I guess they realized they didn't film a shoot trying on montage. And they're like, what do we got? What do we got? We got a door. We got a sad lady. We got some horse's feet. You know what? That'll tide us over. Smash cut. Smash cut. A guy comes to see the king. It's, I guess, like one of the guys in charge of this procession. Because, by the way, it's not the prince. The prince is not going on the trying on shoe montage. Nope. Nope. So we interrupt the montage for the guy to tell the king that they have not found anybody yet. So she must be in the northern cities because those are the only ones left. The king is like, okay, well, it's very important you find her. And as soon as you do, you have to tell me. And the guy's like, yep, I'm going to go back to the shoe montage. And then they go back to the shoe montage. Which also doesn't make any sense because she, again, was able to run home from the palace. Unless we're suggesting that she ran home to a northern city. Like, their search pattern is terrible. Yes, it's very confusing, badly plotted out. 
also, like, yes, one, the prince saw her run away on foot. Mm-hmm. Though I guess he had no way of knowing if she had a carriage in somewhere else or whatever. But, like, two, she did tell him that she's a servant and that she's nobody. And, like, that is information that he theoretically had. So it would make sense to start closest to the palace and then go outward. Like, use your head, use your resources. I don't know. It just... He's not... He's not a very thoughtful prince. Yeah. But then it doesn't matter because we are now looking at Cinderella. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, the shoe montage is happening. The music started up. But then we smash cut from that almost immediately to Cinderella in the kitchen with her birds... And she's got her trunk open and she's looking sadly at the shoe with her back to the rest of the room. So, of course, the stepmother sees her and Cinderella kisses her shoe and is like, you are the key to my happiness and to luck and to a good fate. And, of course, the stepmother is right there Mm -hmm. and is very bad about the whole thing and is like, it was you. You tricked all of us. You're a liar. You're filthy and nothing good will ever happen to you. And so she drags Cinderella kicking and screaming to the cellar door Mm -hmm. and pushes her down and tells Cinderella, go lay down with the rats. Don't make a single sound while the shoe trying on guys are here. That's the exact phrase she used. Don't look it up. And if you make a sound, I will strangle you and beat you. And she locks her in the pantry and she, well, not the pantry, like the cellar, the cellar. Yeah. The steps go pretty far down and it's dark and terrible. And Cinderella is very sad about it. And the stepmother takes the key and she looks like she's about to like shove it in her bra. But then she realizes that her neckline is really high is like how I interpreted that scene. Looks around, finds a clay jug on the table that has a lid on it. Opens the lid, drops the giant metal key in the jug, closes the lid, and then the shoe trying on montage happens. Well, oh, and also the pigeons see all of this happen and they fly away. And they fly back to the boy whose name I have now forgotten. Uh, oh, oh. Hang on. Not Sprat. I have Sparf? No. Sarp. Sarp. Our friend Sarp. Our friend Sarp. Yeah, I did miss that scene. I'm so sorry. Yeah. So the birds fly to Sarp and the little dog, who is very important now, also runs out to Sarp, who's out with his flock of animals, I guess. I didn't even notice if they were sheep or goats. I don't think we see, like, any animals. I don't Like, we're told this is a farm and we're told that he's a shepherd. I don't think we ever see any animals other than the ones we've already described. I don't think. I think you might be right. So the birds fly up. They're being, he should have been a stable boy. Right? We so, know they have horses. No, I'm so sorry. Please continue. <laughs> so the birds fly up and are being really weird. And the dog runs up to him and starts like growling and like yipping and doing a like, oh, what's that? Little Timmy's in the well. Which is basically Sarp's reaction. His, he basically goes, you guys are being weird. I bet Cinderella's in trouble. Which I was like, that's amazing. Yeah, I really liked that, actually. And he's like, okay, dog, I'm going. Like, show me where they are. And then, smash cut, the stepmother and stepsisters are welcoming in the shoe montage, guys. And um, then we smash cut to, uh, what's his name? Sarp. 
Summer. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And then we smash cut to Sarb and the animals. And also Cinderella's friends are now there, the three ladies from before. And they're all like looking for her in the kitchen. And they're like, where can she be? One of Cinderella's friends is like, well, if we knew, we wouldn't be looking for her, which is not helpful in an emergency. And then the dog and the pigeons go to the door and start like being like, look, there's a door. Come over here. But then we smash cut to the stepsister's like foot inside the shoe. And most of the foot is outside of the shoe. And she's like, uh, I think it fits. Uh, try a bit harder to put it on. And the guy's like, no, it doesn't fit. It definitely doesn't fit. Only four of your toes fit in there. Your big toe and your heel and your sole were sticking out. She's like, oh, okay, you're right. And then they switch to the next stepsister, who's like, you'll see, my feet will fit so easily there, so tiny. And then they get into like a fight, Mm -hmm. the stepsisters do. Because now that there's tension and their lives aren't going very smoothly, you're seeing the cracks in their relationship. And the one that already tried the shoe on is like, well, you almost broke the iron shoes with your feet. So like, I don't think it's going to fit. And the first one is like, I'll kill you. (laughs) (laughs) It escalates very quickly. The stepmother has to step between them and basically just shove them apart. She says, my children, my royal girls, which like, it is not going well. I really, really think you're putting the cart before the horse. So the second sister... No, we do another smash cut. Oh, we do, right. Because the friends are now trying to open the door. And they are just full-on heave-ho shouldering into the door. Well, they're banging on it. Yeah. And they're just yelling for Cinderella. And Cinderella, who's at the bottom of a very long, like, line of stairs or steps. Yeah. Like, laying on a stone floor with straw around her finally realizes that people are calling her name through that door and it's like my friends i am here i'm here my friends well also they're they're pushing on a pull door the door opens out they're pushing in like the door wouldn't even have to be locked they fail to know which way the door opens they're doing a lot of things and none of it is working so then we get another smash cut the second stepsister is saying, please, sir, let me try it on one more time. I'm sure it'll fit. I have that she's making a pooping face as the shoe does not fit. Yes. She's making a lot of very silly faces. Well, there's a lot of like effort and kind of like scrunched up grunting faces. It's a lot. Yeah. The servant tells her, listen, if your foot gets in the shoe, my horse would fit in my pocket. And great. That was funny. I loved that. That was hilarious. That was a really good line. And the stepmother is like very upset about this. And she's like such a cruel shoe. If only it were just a tiny bit larger. And the servant's like, okay, not a tiny bit, like twice as big is how big you would need it. Mm-hmm. This man has clearly been looking for a while. Like, I don't know Jeez. if he can get around their kingdom in one day or if this has been like a days long montage, but like he is so sick of this. Mm-hmm. And then he asks if there are any other young women in the house. And the step the, the three share a guilty look. And the stepmother goes, Well, no, there's no more young girls in the house, but I'm I'm a young widow. Eyelash flutter flutter. Can I try it on? And the guy's just like, No. And leaves. 
just clearly like um, that's the end of his rope that is a bridge too far he's not doing this just flatly no hard pass and then we smash cut back to cinderella's friends trying to break down the door and they realize that they can't break down the door because it's a sturdy door that's what opens the other way and they're not trying very hard <laughs> or correctly and they're like oh we need to find the key where's the key and the pigeons just dive bomb the jar yep. knocking it off the table it smashes and the key's there and they're like oh there's the key so they get the key and then we smash cut to the guys from the palace riding off already and then Sarp the shepherd just steps out from behind a tree and is like wait please I ask you to follow the king's order there's another girl and they're like another girl what, what other girl and Cinderella's friends are like, oh, our kindest and dearest friend. And so here's, tell me what happens. This scene doesn't appear to have a cut. They bring Cinderella out through the woods barefoot to the retinue. Mm-hmm. But then the guy who was trying on, who, the man leading the shoe montage is now back at the house yelling at the stepmother saying, you've deceived the king. You've broken the king's orders. If this shoe fits, you'll be severely punished. So, like, did they time travel back? I think it happened outside and they got it to him before they all left the property. And then, without showing it to us, he has said, go inside and we will try the shoe on. Because, presumably, she should be sitting in a chair and not, like, balancing on his shoulder as she tries this on. It is so weird. But they actually tried the shoe on outside. Like, the shoe trying on happens outside. Okay, you know what? I got nothing. I don't know. I, I think some of the scenes were, like, filmed out of order, and the continuity is not always, like, great. It's great. It's unclear what are intentional smash cuts badly executed and what are badly executed smash cuts that were not intentional. Like, it's not clear. But you know what? It's fine. It doesn't the matter. Fits she fits. Immediately, yep. the servant guy is like, we salute you in the name of our prince. Thank God we found you. They're very relieved. And then the stepsisters immediately flip and they're like crying and they're like, oh my God, please forgive us, princess. Please spare our lives. The stepmother is also like begging her. Yes. And Cinderella goes, if you would be nice, that would be enough for me. I'm not angry at you. And the stepmother just crying, like, thanks her and bows and, like, backs out of the scene. Yep. And uh, that's all we get with that. Yep, we're done with them. They are not actually punished for lying to, like, for disobeying the king and for lying to the servant. It seems like they're fine. Yeah. So um, the man leading the shoe trying on montage instructs the trumpeters to, like, blow and signal that they found the girl. And my note was, hey, their pants stayed on while they blow the trumpets. That's great. That is, that's very good. Yeah. Also, the prince can evidently hear these trumpets in the palace, which I guess makes sense if she lives close enough. Oh, but no, I think it was like light the fires. My note is, the beacons of Gondor are lit. Rohan must ride to her aid. No, literally, I think that is what it is yeah. because we see a bunch of different trumpeters in different locations trumpeting. Yeah. And I think... They, like, left trumpeters, like, in... Strategic locations. Places. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, just far away enough to hear, like, some other guy trumpeting and let the next guy know. 
So I think that's exactly what happened. Yeah. So the prince hears this. He's ecstatic. He rides out. We see Cinderella riding um, fully astride, which is a little bit of a weird note. I sort of was expecting her to be side saddle. Okay. So they gave her her own horse. And also, she seems very uncomfortable on it. Yeah. And also, later when she gets off, her leg sticks out, like, in a way that makes it look like she has never gotten off a horse before. Yep. The men in the shoe-trying-on montage retinue have also brought her friends with them. But just, like, carrying them like children on their horse and then just sort of lowering them unceremoniously. It was a really weird scene. I didn't like it. The jesters have also ridden out with the prince because as they like begin to approach each other, the prince like gets off his horse and runs towards Cinderella and she gets off her horse and runs towards the prince. And they kind of meet in the middle and like he picks her up and swings her around. Mm -hmm. uh, and all of the friend couples also just kind of smash together and then uh, topple over and roll around on the ground. Yeah. Yeah, the prince and Cinderella don't, though. Nope. Uh, they also don't kiss. And then we have another smash cut to the wedding, where they are now in wedding clothes, and they are walking back down the aisle. They're now in 1850s garb. They stop at the end of the aisle. They look at each other longingly. They do the, we're leaning in for a kiss, and then we smash cut to the credits and don't get a kiss. Yeah. I, so that's how our smash cut Cinderella ends. With a smash cut. With a smash cut. It was, I mean, it was, it was truly in keeping with the character of the rest of the movie. So I couldn't be that mad about it. Yeah. So that was the smash cut Turkish Cinderella from 1971. Highs and lows. Oh boy. Um, I'm sure I'll think of something. Give me a second. No worries. I'm also like, oh man, I'm glad I don't go first. There are benefits to not going first. I liked, uh, really thought I had something there. Wow, this is so hard. I just like, there were things that I wasn't like mad about, but there wasn't anything that I like super enjoyed all the way through. Like the bits where Cinderella's ladies in waiting and the gestures like fall in love with each other. Like I hated the concept, but like the execution was like- Pretty cute. Really nice like i like that they were like talking about each other and that everyone was in love with a specific person mm -hmm. and that there was like just like she's the most beautiful well you can't possibly be right because i'm in love with the one on the left and she's the most beautiful yeah like in any other context i would have really enjoyed that but like because they were like let's pair up the little people it was just like you don't have to do that why are you doing this? like it was a the vibe was off and i just Mm. and i liked a lot of what the prince was saying to cinderella where like it doesn't matter to me like i love you i already know i love you like i think in the fairy tale like i'm fine with him falling in love with her like in his dreams or at the first meeting yeah. and like his speech about like if you're a servant like i'll be a servant like it's very like the notebook that should have been really romantic but then like it took a turn where they were like, we're going to use slurs now. <laughs> Even if you were because ethnically different, I would still love you. You're like, not a great, not a great choice. Um, try again. Yeah. So I feel like there's not anything that I enjoyed that wasn't tainted by something like that made it like 
not that good. So I guess I liked the witch slash fairy godmother because that's the only thing that didn't make me feel bad consistently. I can't believe that you spent three hours coming up with that and stole mine. There you go. You're welcome. I take it back. There are no benefits to going second. <laughs> and then my lowest, like everything else. <laughs> the rest of it. <laughs> okay. My actual lowest Cinderella's performance. Not that the actress did a bad job, but just the tone of the performance is that she played Cinderella completely straight as a very like, everything is going to be fine and I'm going to forgive everyone and I'm not crying because I'm sad. I'm happy. I will never complain. Like, that's just not like the kind of Cinderella I like. Yeah, no. And so her... She wasn't fun to watch. Her passivity and just lack of agency in her life and also how much she was abused was really hard to watch. Yeah. Like, I feel like it's fine that the prince was like moody and intense and that the king was like, my son is so sad and I don't know why. Mm -hmm. Like, all of that worked for me. The stepmother being like, I love my daughters. They're so wonderful and they're so beautiful. Who could ever have more beautiful daughters than me. Like, I thought all of that worked, and it all worked together. Mm -hmm. And the stepsisters, like, starting out very friendly with each other and then turning on each other, like, all of that worked for me. And the only thing that consistently, like, didn't work for me in terms of tone was Cinderella's, like, dialogue and acting choices and costume and hair and makeup. Like, every thing that went into like what Cinderella was doing like I didn't like and I feel like they made the wrong choice at every possible step uh yeah no nothing to add to that yeah so what are your highs and lows now that I've stolen your high now that you've stolen mine um my high was the aerial performance that we watched uh (laughs) during our sanity break because it was absolutely incredible for this movie my high was definitely the witch sorceress lady she was a hoot she was hysterical I loved her. I have so many questions. Like, I could talk about her forever. I'm so excited. She was great. My low? The movie was bad. It was it was a bad movie. Badly done. With, like, bad concepts. So my low was the weird roller coaster that I went on for the first two-thirds to three-quarters of this movie where I was like, do I love this? Do I hate this? That was my low. Just... The experiential unsurety of being like, I can't tell if I hate this or love it. And then having it end on hate. Mm. That was, for me, that was just like, just just come straight forward. Just be like, oh, this is like rubbing glass in your eyeballs. You're going to have a bad time. There's no, this just routine, repeatedly kept getting my hopes up of like, okay, maybe this is a weird campy movie. Because we watched that weird like Cinderella and the Golden Brawl one that we had to go to like an adult website to watch. And that was hysterical. It was this weird, campy 70s movie that I also sort of vacillated between, like, do I love this or not? I loved it. It was hysterical. This one went the other way, and it was disappointing. Okay, also, all of the, like, titillation mixed with all of the close-ups of Cinderella, like, laying on the floor and crying delicately. Yeah. I really didn't like... No what it seemed like that was going for and the intention behind that and knowing that her father is the one that wrote it like also 
I don't new low. I really didn't like that. That one. I keep my low is every time you remind me of that and I erase it from my memory and then you remind me of it again. That's my low. Oh. Yeah. Stop doing that. I looked up <laughs> sorry. I looked up the actress online and she quit acting like three years after this movie. <laughs> And, like, worked as a real estate agent in Istanbul since 1990. And she got married. She's got two kids. She opened a restaurant, it seems like, in 2012. Anyways, she has said that she never misses the cinema. Yeah. So there's also that. So what would you change about this movie? Like, (laughs) what kind of question is that? Like, literally everything was wrong with it. I have no idea what to change about this to make it better. Okay, here is one small change that would have made me feel like a million times better that would have cost them nothing. Like, just tell me where Cinderella's friends are from and where they live. Yeah, that would have been really nice. Because they just show up at her house. Like, the jesters exist within the court and they interact with the king and the prince. And that's fine. And we understand... Like, palace retinue live at palace this is fine yeah like they are part of the story we have information about them but cinderella's friends just love her and appear when she needs them but at her windows with the but birds. like sneakily i literally thought they were just the human personification of pigeons for the first like five minutes that they were on screen it took me a while to be like oh they're not just like portraying pigeons i so I wish that they just lived next door next door, or on the farm or she like met them at market every so often or something like literally anything. Anything. Ideally, I would like it if they were like real people and not fairy tale creatures. But like, don't leave me in limbo guessing. Yeah. That would be my change. What about you? I would like the fairy godmother who appears in like an explodey ball of flame, hurling grenades and spinning sparklers and cherry bombs. I would like her to be a biblically accurate angel with just like thousands of eyes and six wings and five heads that face in different directions. And just, just wheels constantly just wheels spinning. spinning, just being like, be not afraid. <laughs> That would have made me personally so happy. Would it have made the movie worse? Yes. Would I make that change? Also, yes. This movie was bad. Making it worse doesn't actually hurt anything. Okay. You know what else I would change, though? Hmm. I would like the stepmother and the stepsisters to be punished because they were incredibly purposefully cruel to Cinderella in a way that they were all, like, very culpable of. Just, like, like, she got hit a lot. Like, you can't argue at all that it wasn't abusive and that she was fine. Like, demonstrably, no. Not fine. So I would have really liked it if they were like, oh, Cinderella, we beg your forgiveness. And she was just like, okay, I forgive you. And then the king punished them anyway for lying. That would be funny. Because, like, if Cinderella has to be, like, that level of, you know, pure and kind and loving and merciful, whatever, fine. That's consistent with who she's been the entire time. I'm not actually mad about her, like, forgiving them, them, even though I think that's wrong. I don't like that the narrative didn't punish them. Yeah, the narrative knew better. Yeah, 
so yeah, I would like to see them get punished. I would like the king to sentence them to like be Cinderella's attendants or to clean or something. Agree, agree. All right, so should our listeners watch this? I don't think so. It was so much not my cup of tea. And so much of the things that I liked went hand in hand that I found like actively like upsetting and unpleasant that I just like don't want to recommend that to anybody. Yeah, no, definitely don't recommend. Don't watch this. This wasn't fun. It wasn't even weird fun. It was just weird and unpleasant. There's a bunch of other like old Cinderella movies that aren't in English that you can go watch instead. Go watch one of those. And we did discover in the process of researching this film that there is another Turkish Cinderella that was released that same year. And we're still working on tracking down one that has subtitles. But I'm holding out hope that maybe that one is going to be so good. And then, you know, it will heal us. Uh And we can be like, yeah, this one's bad. You should check out that one instead. And I just... I was really excited to see a Turkish Cinderella, and I was so, like, I did not have a good time. No, no. But, you know, I just feel like my days of sorrow will end, and fate will smile upon me. (laughs) I just, like, like, I have this feeling inside that my wishes will come true. Uh, I've hung out with you, Talon. Your heart is not good enough. Okay. Sorry, I'm super salty today. <laughs> I didn't think that I had to watch this movie. Um, I do sometimes have evil in my heart. I'm I, not going to lie. I mean, as someone who also has evil in their heart a bunch of the time, I'm not, like, judging. Okay. All right, so final grade for this movie. I'm giving it a D minus. Okay. I think there are things about it that were kind of good and kind of interesting, but overall, I had a really bad time watching it. And... I just don't like most of the choices they made. How about you? So thinking about this movie sort of as we watched it and then as we discussed it, I was like, yeah, this was like a C. Mm, This was like a C minus. This is like a D plus. And in talking about it more, this is a D. I don't think it was quite a D minus for me because I think that some of the bits I liked more than you did. But like, this isn't quite a D minus for me, but man, was it bad. Well, it's almost midnight. Yep. So thanks for joining us (laughs) on this terrible journey. If you liked this episode, you might be a sadist. Yeah. Uh, But please leave us a rating or a review. We'd love to hear from you. So follow us at CinderPod on Twitter and Instagram, like our Facebook page, or email us at thecinderellapodcast at gmail.com. If you want bibbidi-bobbidi bonus episodes or to hear us discuss this week's Cinderella, but with more adult questions, language, and beverages, join us in the Ever After Party at patreon.com slash cinderpod. Our intro music is Bad Ideas by Kevin McLeod, and you can find him at incompetech.com. So Liv, what are we watching next week? We're watching the Disney Cinderella next week, Talon. Which one? The one from 1922 that no one knows exists, including me. I'm so excited about this. I don't know what it's going to be like. Oh. But it's short. Is it live or animated? It's it's animated. It's a short. Oh, okay. It's a a Disney short from 1922, the internet assures me. So, like, we'll see. I have no idea what's going to happen. 
this better not be Terry Toons coming back to haunt us. I was going to say, if Paul Terry shows up again, like, we, we might have to quit the podcast early. Like, season three might have an abrupt cutoff. Well, uh, until then, we hope you have a happily ever after. I guess we'll tell you next week if we're coming back or not. <laughs> 